And good morning. It is a Thursday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. I'm Glenn. He's Griffin. Prince Charles is here as well. Today's show brought to you by the print issue of Pressbox, which is available right now at your neighborhood Royal Farms and in the hundreds of locations around town where you find Pressbox. Read it all, PressBoxOnline.com. There's Gunnar Henderson. You know him. He's on the cover. Luke Jackson profiles his rise. Meteoric rise. Not a first-round pick, but a guy who's now currently the top prospect in all of baseball, the favorite to be American League Rookie of the Year. Read all about that right now in the new print issue of PressBox. Coming up on the program, just a few minutes, Evan Drellich from The Athletic. He's got a new book out. It's called Winning Fixes Everything. It's about the Houston Astros and the sign-stealing scandal. But, frankly, I'm five chapters in, and really the book right now to me is far more fascinating because it's sort of about the Houston Astros and how they became what they were. And I haven't even gotten to the part yet where we get into the sign-stealing. And I'm interested in that, and certainly there's a lot of Orioles' perspective there. Mike Elias, Sig Meidel come up during the course of the book. I did admittedly a... Because I got a PDF version, I put in, I searched for the words Elias and Midel in order to try to find some more relevant parts about it. We will talk about it with Evan Drellich a little bit. Um, And just some baseball in general with him, of course. Uh, A little bit later on this morning, we will have our weekly NFL draft segment. Jim Nagy, executive director of the Senior Bowl. You've seen him on ESPN. He's going to join us. We will talk about uh, some of the guys who were down in Mobile a couple of weeks ago as we get ready for the NFL Combine next week out in Indianapolis. Uh, we're going to preview. It's been a big uh, a Stevenson week here on GCR. Prince Charles is hanging around. We had Dan Williams on yesterday. Uh, Paul Cantabana will join us as Stevenson men's lacrosse opens up the home portion of their schedule on Saturday night. So all that coming up on the program today and more. I get that there are a lot of people sharing and diving into this ESPN story this morning about Lamar Jackson. For what it's worth, if you've read it, it's mostly just kind of almost like an essay about the big picture of how we got here. It's sort of like what I have said a few times, that until there's news, there's a bunch of people telling you there's news, but there's not news, right? And for the most part, that's the case. If there's one piece of this Lamar Jackson story that does pop out, it is the part, and I'll make sure I read it verbatim so I don't end up, you know, saying something wrong or incorrect. I want to be very clear about that. The one part that does read perhaps as being informative was, I'll read both paragraphs to set it up. Jackson, who has vowed not to speak publicly about his contract since the start of the 2022 regular season, wants a fully guaranteed deal in line with the five-year, $230 million contract the Cleveland Browns gave to Sean Watson in March. The Ravens, meanwhile, are balking at guaranteeing the full amount, according to team sources. Jackson turned down a five-year, $250 million contract in September that included $133 million guaranteed, far less than Watson's deal, but more than the guaranteed figures awarded to Russell Wilson and Kyler Murray last offseason. According to a source with knowledge of Jackson's contract negotiations, all of his counteroffers to the Ravens last year were for fully guaranteed contracts that exceeded that of Watson, who signed his deal with the Browns after being traded from the Houston Texans and before serving an 11-game suspension for violating the NFL's personal conduct policy by committing sexual assault, as defined by the League on Massage Therapists. 
So I have told you that I had, I had heard, not that I'm necessarily reporting, but more just in trying to get background information, I had been told by a source who was more in line with Jackson's thought process that while, yes, they were looking for a fully guaranteed contract, they didn't believe, this is the source, Not I'm not speaking, I, I want to make this very clear, I did not talk to Lamar Jackson about the topic. He is not my source. Boy, wouldn't that be nice? Not the case. Then how dare you report anything? I know. Unfortunately, it's what we're all doing. I had been told that ultimately it wasn't as black and white as fully guaranteed or nothing. This portrayal of it makes it come off that way. Makes it come off very much like Lamar Jackson saying, I'm not talking about anything that isn't fully guaranteed. Now, is that because the Ravens offers, because it did say specifically um, all of his counter offers to the Ravens last year, is that specifically because all of the Ravens offers were so far below anything that he would consider meeting in the middle at that in order to get to a place like that, he had to continue to make his counter offers fully guaranteed? Let me, let me try to sort of dumb that down a little bit. If the Ravens continue to put out numbers that were in line with that $133 million mark, Jackson, and again, we're talking about fully guaranteed money, and Jackson says, well, I, I want over $200 million fully guaranteed, then it would make sense for his counter offers to be in the neighborhood of $250 million fully guaranteed. Because the only way to get to a number in between those two things is to have something in between those two things. But I don't know that. Again, that's a very, you know, it's a bit vague with the counter offers. What it's not vague is that Lamar Jackson has not suggested to the Ravens that he'd be willing to sign for anything other than something that's fully guaranteed to this point. Now, this was where fact meets opinion, right? The rest of the, the story, there's plenty of anecdotes in there and some anonymous quotes, some quotes. It's mostly a recap. It's mostly a a a factual look at things, some opinions of other people around the league about what Jackson could get. It, you know, I, I'm not trying to be disrespectful to anyone involved in the story, Jeremy Fowler, Jamison Hensley, a- anybody at ESPN. Most of it is stuff that we knew, and it's all just kind of put together in one lengthy story. And I can see the value of that for ESPN. Try to get a bunch of stuff all together, incline people to read it. I read it. And I think most of us that that care about the Baltimore Ravens probably read it today. So mission accomplished. They did a good job with that. But actual information, I think that's the only part that I could comb through and find actually informative throughout the course of the entire story. It still also doesn't fully paint the picture of what Jackson's market would be. They would they attempted to go down that road with some anonymous quotes from other executives saying well, you know, it might be it might be tough with uh, having to give up as much as they would want and then having to pay Jackson a fully guaranteed contract. It might be tough, but by no means did they project it as being impossible. And that's got to be relevant to Lamar and his camp and where they stand with these negotiations. So I don't know that we really got anywhere, which isn't to say that... that means they shouldn't write it oftentimes when some of us write things it's more an essay than it is 
breaking news. If there was breaking news, it probably would have been presented as breaking news on a tweet. It's it's a lot. It's a lot in one place, and I would encourage that it's worth the read. I know a lot of us have Lamar Jackson fatigue at this point, so we're not really invested in reading another lengthy piece about Lamar Jackson that doesn't really tell us anything more. Two of the quotes. Uh, quote, he goes to the front of the line, unquote, an AFC executive said. Quote, there's nobody like him. Maybe there's been some discord there between the player and the team, but overall he's still a great player and he's not a bad guy. The durability is a mild concern. Follow up. Quote, teams always need quarterbacks, so there will be an interest as a result, especially if the GM and the head coach need to win now, unquote, an NFC executive said. Quote, but when you factor in future collateral that you have to give up, Meeting his contract demands plus the durability issues, that would be a hard sell. There's a lot to sort through there, unquote. Now, no disrespect, I completely believe that ESPN got that quote from an NFC executive. The problem being, it's basically the same quote that I could have said. It wouldn't have had, I guess, the same value as being from an executive, but it's exactly what I would be telling you the circumstances are. Teams, there are desperate quarterback teams. They didn't all go away because Deshaun Watson came off the market. We did the math. We sat here, what, two weeks ago and listed off how half of the league needs a quarterback right now. At, at least 10 teams, desperately so. Like, Washington can try to tell you that they think Sam Howell is their quarterback. None of us actually believe that. I mean, he might end up being the guy that, that starts game one of next season, but there's nobody legitimately around football right now that is convinced that Sam Howell is the long-term answer for a franchise at quarterback until he proves it, right? Like, he might be, but he hasn't proven it yet. So they're on one list, but maybe not on the desperate, desperate list. The entire NFC South is on the desperate, desperate list. There's not a single team. My buddy Charles McDonald from Yahoo Sports pointed to me this way. He's like, the the teams right now, These are, this is the entire list of under-contract quarterbacks in the NFC South. Matt Corral, Desmond Ritter, Kyle Trask. Yikes. Sounds like a good, good SEC team, maybe? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe, yeah. You might be able to win the SEC East if that was your – Nah, Georgia probably – well, Stetson Bennett's gone. Maybe you could win the SEC East. I was going to say you could win the SEC West, but then I'm like Alabama. I guess I keep forgetting that yeah. Georgia's now the team to beat – in the SEC, <laughs> not Alabama, although we'll see as they move on from Stetson Bennett. Um, yeah, that all smells right. Yes, I don't think that every team is going to be willing to pay multiple first-round picks for a player they'd have to turn around and pay a fully guaranteed contract to. I don't think that even all of the quarterback desperate teams, I think some of them are going to choose to say, well, let's take a shot on something else and see if we can't do it that way. Because, you know, the Ravens aren't, paying that amount of money. So I don't think they're the only team that is going to say that. But it, you don't need it to be 10 teams for Lamar Jackson for it to make sense. You need there to be one if you're Lamar Jackson. If there's one team that's willing to do that, then that's your market value, and that's what you're fighting for. And that's what the Ravens aren't willing to match. And again, whenever it happens, we'll have plenty of opinions about it one way or the other, but I'm not going to balk. There's nothing that you there's nothing I've learned until we get to a report that says something like again, Lamar Jackson has a degenerative hip or 
Lamar Jackson is flat out refusing to stay in Baltimore, something along those lines. Until we get to that, my opinion is going to remain the same. This ain't worth it. It ain't worth running the risk of not having a quarterback over fighting over the back-end flexibility that you're going to get in a deal that almost certainly you're going to end up paying Lamar Jackson every penny of. They're not balking over his value. They're balking over flexibility. That's one of the difficult parts about how this gets discussed in circles, right? Well, they're $100 million apart. No, they're not. They're in agreement about what the, st- the structure of the contract would be. They're $100 million apart, perhaps, in fully guaranteed money. Which sounds crazy until you remember he's almost certainly going to get all of it. It would take something extraordinary for him to not get all of it. That's what you're fighting over. Which brings me back to the real point, which is you're fighting over not wanting to get the stink eye when you go into the owners' meetings next year. That you wanted to be the team that held the line and said, we are not going to do that. Because if that didn't matter, fighting this much over back-end contract flexibility, the point where you risk losing your quarterback, or not having your quarterback around for any of the offseason going into this year, or hurting your cap process because you've got to pay somebody on to play on a franchise tag this season and absorb everything up front, doing any of those things is nonsensical over some back-end cap flexibility. There was another quote in this story that I'll pull out. I'm not going to read the entire story to you again. I, By all means, I, I'm telling you, go ahead and... And read it and, you know, feel however you want to feel about it. I, I don't think that there's a lot. Um, this quote, quote, just because the Browns were desperate doesn't mean that the Ravens are, unquote. One high-ranking NFL executive said, quote, they are a stable franchise. They aren't about to jump at something just because Cleveland did it, unquote. Well, we've, we've heard that a million times, right? I'll ask you this question. What would you call a team that doesn't have a quarterback? What would be the word that you would use? Prince Charles, you want a shot at it? What would be a, a word that would describe a team, an NFL team that has no quarterback? My pops calls them gutter teams. Okay, well, there's that. I was thinking of another word that was more relevant to the quote that I just threw, threw out. Again, the quote, just because the Browns were desperate doesn't mean that the Ravens are. What would you call a team that doesn't have a quarterback? Desperate. That's what I would call them. Desperate would be the word that I would come up with. So, yeah, I mean, sure, say the Ravens aren't desperate. Well, that's because they have Lamar Jackson. What happens when they don't have Lamar Jackson? What are they then? Because the word that comes to mind would be desperate. That's all I have to say about it for now. We, we can revisit it at some point. We will, um, we'll talk about it, I have no doubt. Today's show also brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and buyatoyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Let's switch gears this morning here on GCR. I have been diving into this book, and I have to apologize to Evan. I'm only about five chapters in. It's a hell of a read, but I have not really even gotten to the, the, the juicy part for everybody else in baseball. However, the part that I've gotten to I think is more interesting for those of us here in Baltimore. The book is called Winning Fixes Everything. The author from The Athletic, he is Evan Drellick, and he is with us now here on GCR. 
Evan, it's Glenn in Baltimore. It's great to chat with you. Thank you so much for taking a couple of minutes for us. Good morning, Glenn. Um, I, I got to tell you, and I, I just said it in the preface, I'm about five chapters in, and I apologize. I don't. I like to have read more by the time we have these conversations. Um, the interesting part. No. The interesting part being, I'm sure for the rest of baseball, the juicy stuff is the stuff that's still to come for me. Frankly, given where we are in Baltimore, I've been a bit more fascinated by all of the chapters about the setup, and I'm wondering, in writing about this topic why you thought it was so important to cover the setup for how the Astros got to where they were as an organization even before we learned about trash cans and sign stealing and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, in a way, it's, it's the point of the book is, is explaining, well, how did we get here? How did we get to a point where you have this massive scandal in Houston, four people fired, three managers, one general manager, and then even more than that, you know, the uh, Brandon Tauman incident where he gets fired after his uh, outburst in the 2019 playoffs, um, it, it's it's a management culture book. It's 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 giving the context and the explanation of how a a modern team is run, and b specifically how the Astros were run. I, I think, uh, and hopefully, once you finish it, you'll agree. You know, the, the the details of how a front office are run is run. Um, you don't usually get under the hood like this, yeah. and it's it's one of the things I'm proud of with the book. I, I boy, I am fascinated. You know, Jeff Lunau's McKinsey background is very interesting to me. And again, I'll, I'll project it. I'll, I'll broadly ask this question. In hindsight, of course, there's nothing that can be done now. But in hindsight, if you were a franchise like the Baltimore Orioles, would it make sense for you to attempt to replicate the management style of the Houston Astros, knowing what we know now in 2023? Well, there's, there's, there's different elements to that, right? The, the, you know, the Astros were, were very sound, typically, with how they evaluated rosters, right? They, they were smart in a lot of ways. They did do things um, that moved the ball forward. They were, they were early adopters of TrackMan and Edertronic cameras, and, right. and they were quicker than most teams about getting synergy in their uh, player development group, right? Making sure the coaches are all on the same page. So it's not like they didn't do anything smart. The, the question is, well, what else goes alongside uh, that baseball element? You know, uh, how are you treating people? Are you treating them well? Uh, are you withholding promotions? Are you withholding? You know, are you trying to keep your salary in the uh, below the fiftieth percentile in the sport the way the Astros were? There, there was a lot of other stuff that went along with the Astros plan, um, and that's you know. And then there's a whole other discussion you can have around tanking, uh, but it really depends on the details of the Orioles' culture. Uh, Evan, we're talking about Evan Drellick again. The book is Winning Fixes Everything. We're going to link up to it on our Twitter account, at Glenn Clark Radio. Evan, I guess the simple question, and you're probably going to tell me, hey, you got to read the book more in order to get the answer, is did the other stuff begat the ultimate crossing of the line when it came to the sign-stealing scandal? Like, Was it a case of, hey, if an organization is willing to do this, then yes, of course, they're going to be willing to flat out break the rules when it comes to what happens on the field. Or is it unfair to portray that and to say, hey, just because a team is trying to do things in a certain way, that doesn't mean that necessarily they're definitely going to be willing to break rules when it comes to what happens on a field. You know, the the 17 chapter, not to uh, ruin your further reading experience, but it, I begin it by saying, um, 
I don't know that the Astros were the team most likely to start cheating. I don't think there was a team worse prepared to stop cheating. And, and I think you're seeing it now where you are in the book, where it's all about doing things differently. It's very bottom line focused. It's yep. on wins, making money, um, and everything else kind of falls by the wayside. You know, it, it's not so much about what they did focus on in Houston. It's what they didn't focus on. And so you get to a point where the manager and the general manager don't have a great relationship. The manager and the bench coach don't have a great relationship. The players and the front office don't have a great relationship. And that's for a variety of reasons, how teams try to screw them in arbitration. Uh, you know, it, it becomes, I think by the time you arrive at 2017, you see this picture of they're smart, but they're kind of dysfunctional. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it was not an environment that, um, was was one that was gonna you know put up a stop sign very quickly for cheating. I I do want to admit that I kind of speaking of cheating, I kind of cheated a little bit, Evan, and I um because I was reading a PDF version of the book. I searched for the name Elias a few times, yeah, um, just to try to read some spots elsewhere in the book, and I, and I don't, and I know this was something that that baseball said. I don't get the sense that Mike Elias was was really on board with any of this or really involved with any of this. Like nothing about what I've read in the chapters where Mike Elias comes up suggests that like there's any reason for us to think that Mike Elias was going to go down that road. Yeah. Mike Elias is an interesting conversation. So, so, you know, he comes from St. Louis with Luno. He's close with Luno. He he ends up heading amateur scouting. Um, He is not the driving force of the Astros front office. You know, he's, he's a little bit more of a middle ground, I think he would admit this himself. Um, you know, he, 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 he's not somebody who's uh, really the tip of the spear. That doesn't mean he's, he's, he's not part of uh, what the Astros are doing. But, you know, he's dealing with amateur scouting. And then in the later years, uh, international as well. Um, you know, so what was going on inside of Houston just generally didn't really fall under his umbrella. And, uh, you know, there is an anecdote in the book where Elias well as other actors, executives do go out to do some counter uh, espionage work. Mm-hmm. I believe, if I'm remembering the anecdote right, it's in uh, Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so they're checking out to see what what other teams are doing. Um, but you know, Elias ends up being kind of this foil in the in the Astros front office because you have a guy like Brandon Taubman, the one who gets fired. You know, sitting there going. I'm the one really driving the bus here. And then this guy gets the GM opportunity and, you know, Elias, uh, it was only a matter of time before he was going to get one. Um, but you know, th- this perception that like everything the Astros are doing was attached to Mike Elias. It's not really. That, yeah. That's the sense that I got. And by the way, that, that last part of it makes it seem like the Orioles made the right choice if they were going to attempt to uh, replicate what Houston did and, and going after Mike Elias instead of Brandon Taubman. Um, let me let me come to something, Evan, if I could. I, I read this in the context of what we heard from John Angelos over the weekend about the Orioles and now trying to portray them as being the next Tampa, which was interesting because we've kind of always assumed that the plan was Houston. And and I don't I, I hate doing this and I and I think you know why. I, like so many people, read the extra two percent and I get we don't want to talk about it because the author is a detestable human. But it is relevant, I thought, in learning about like Tampa and what they did. And I'm wondering in, in doing the work that you did on the Astros and having covered the Astros, if, if the comparison that I could make is that the, the 
the Astros were the Rays, except they ultimately decided after they got there they would spend money and they would try to sustain, whereas the Rays built in a similar way, that Wall Street mentality and that sort of McKinsey-esque mentality, but just continued to decide they were going to stay in the low part of, of, of payroll and frugality. Is it fair to say that the thought process was similar in both organizations, just something different once they found success? Yeah, uh, you know, look, the A's, the Rays, the Astros, all of this centers on money. Uh, certainly the Astros do end up spending more money than the Rays. But you know, this has been going on for years now, where owners look at the Rays and go, I want to do it that way. And what does that way mean? Very specifically, it means really cheaply. That's it. It means we're winning games, uh, even though they, you know, they haven't won a World Series, but uh, we're winning games regularly and we are cheap. And, uh, you know, tanking is a part of that. It is, in my opinion, I've seen enough of it now, it's a grift. It is, um, you know, what, what other business do, do you see telling people, uh, I'm going to give you a crappy product for X number of years, but come back in a few years and, you know, it, it, it'll be good then, right? That doesn't work in the outside world. Uh, it's really the most genius bit of marketing that I think baseball has ever done, right? Convincing people that you should sit there and this is good for you. Right. And then you hear John Angelos the other day say, oh, we could be spending two or three times our payroll. Oh, really? Right. Isn't that interesting? Right. Um, right. So, I, I, you know, I, I, look, it's always about money. And, and, I, and I find it, frankly, at a certain point, kind of intellectually boring. Um, everybody trying to replicate the raise. It's just the owners. Amongst the owners, it's, they impress themselves if they can do it cheaper than, than the next guy. It's really all it's about. That's the interesting part to me, Evan, is that like I can be sold on trying to replicate the Astros, right? Like, and that was what we thought all of this was for the Orioles was replicate the Astros, tank, then you know build up talent. The the Orioles have done that, and then when you get to that point, spend as necessary to sustain it, right? Like I was I was on board with that. The raise part of it is the tough, and I get it. Somebody would say, well, is T, and you just said they've won a lot, but announcing your frugality, saying we want to be the next raise is essentially like saying we don't ever want to spend money. And I, I, I guess they're maybe going to spend some money here on Wander Franco. It's always to be determined if they're going to actually end up, you know, keeping him around for as long as they signed him for. But I, that's the part that I struggle with. Like, I, I get what you're saying about tanking, but on paper, it's looked like it works. And for a fan base that just wants to win a championship, it sounds good. I just... There does seem to be a significant difference in announcing yourself as the Astros versus announcing yourself as trying to be the Rays. Well, here's an interesting question for you. Um, unless something happened this winter that I'm forgetting, mm -hmm. it's possible. Mm -hmm. What was the, uh, you know, under Jim Crane, owner of the Astros, what is the largest contract he gave out in free agency? In free agency, not oh, an extension. Man, in yeah. free agency. Yeah, I don't. That's a great. I don't know what the answer to that question is. The answer for a long time is Josh Reddick. Okay, and that was four years. What, uh, fifty or sixty million dollars? But I, right? I guess the Astros too were always about avoiding free agency. But, but the, they, the whole point of the farm system is to pump out young players that you can just replace everybody over and over. 
but they did pay their own a few times. Not always, but they did pay yeah, their own. They gave Altuve some money. They gave Verlander some money. Yeah. Right. And, and I think, I feel like in Baltimore, we'd almost accept that, right, Evan? Like, if it was just right now you saying, we're going to be hell-bent on making sure we keep Adley Rutschman, Gunnar Henderson around, and committing to a core of players and financially paying in order to do that, I, I think that would electrify this fan base and this market with belief that the Orioles were trying. Yeah, that makes sense. And, and I mean, if John Angelos is being forthright, um, and, you know, who knows if he is, but if, but if he is, and he, and he means that we can spend two or three times what we're spending now, then, yeah, I mean, you should have the money to be able to retain some of your, your homegrown stars. Absolutely. Yes. I, just, I just did a – I just managed to turn – a conversation about a book about the Astro science stealing scandal and whether or not the Orioles should pay Adley Rutschman. So I apologize for that, Evan. No, I, it's, hey, it's all connected. Right. It's, it really is all connected. It's, it's somewhat self-serving here. Um, I, I, and I want to get to this. Does, does, do I get to a point in the book where I learned this is the difficult part for me, and I, and I have to be honest about this, Evan Drellick with us. I struggled to be furious about the Astros scandal because in my heart, like I, I play in a, and I know this, you're going to make fun of this, but I play in a Thursday night kickball league, and people attempt to cheat in that league, right? Like it, it's a Thursday night beer kickball league, and there is cheating that happens there. And to me, I just got the sense, and I tried to talk to some people about it, that this type of stuff goes on. I get the Astros were doing it to an almost embarrassing degree with the banging of the trash cans and all of that. Are you diving in? Is it your belief that truly what the Astros were doing was so far beyond the pale of anything else that anyone was attempting in baseball that it deserved the, I don't know, scarlet letter that the sport tried to give them over it? Yeah, I mean, you know, we're now, what, uh, six years removed from 2017, four years removed from Ken and I breaking the story. There is still no evidence that we're aware of. Doesn't mean there couldn't someday be. Uh, but there's no evidence to this point that there was somebody doing something to the level the Astros are doing. I am of the opinion, and I think most people in baseball are of the opinion, that what the Astros were doing was uh, a step beyond or several steps beyond because it was entirely off the field. You, you know, you, you purposely set up this monitor behind the dugout uh, in the tunnel, and you have this feed from center field going right to that monitor, and you, and, you know, you don't need a runner on base. It's electric, you know, the, the gar- put, even put the garbage can p- part aside because it, it almost makes it sillier, right? Like this is still a high tech thing. You, mm-hmm. you have a, you have an, a, a camera in center field. Um, and, you know, the story I kind of tell is, you know, Ken and I break the story at the athletics. And then that same day, John boy, you know, finds video backing up right. the story. Right. Um, and I remember watching one of those videos and there, there's one where Alex Bregman hits an O2 pitch. I think it was a curveball to a home run to left field at minute maybe. And watching that video, I had a bit of a visceral reaction of like, Oh, Holy crap. He knew it was coming. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like mm-hmm. what is what I'm watching real. And so, yeah, I think in my mind, in the minds of most, the Astros bent the integrity of the game, not to sound like Bud Selig. Um, more than anybody else did. But you can make a good argument that, you know, the other stuff that, that like the Red Sox, the Yankees, the Dodgers were doing, that that should have been considered more serious. I mean, it served MLB's interest that it wasn't considered as serious. 
Uh, but yeah, no, I think the Astros were were several lengths above. Did Major League Baseball do enough to, for us to be certain that no one is attempting this any longer? Like, can can we be comfortable? No, I mean, look, you, no. The the answer is no. Yeah. Um, oh, to, any longer? Like currently today? Yeah. You can never be certain, right? I mean, still today, um, if a guy walks to the plate with a buzzer, who's catching it? Right. Right. If you have a Tiny little device. And my book doesn't find that the Astros used buzzers to cheat. They did use a little electric shock to try to measure, measure people's muscle fibers. Um, that's kind of a funny uh, side story that's mm. in the book. But, mm. you know, people are always going to try to cheat. You're right. In kickball, people, you know, it, it's, it's human nature. It doesn't matter if it's baseball or if it's the outside world. You're going to try to find an edge. So someday there's going to be another major cheating attempt in baseball. It might produce a public scandal because reporters or, or otherwise it, it comes out. Um, it might not, right? But this is not the end of any form of cheating in baseball. But I, I think they've made it considerably harder to do certainly the basic electronic sign stealing that, that we were seeing, right? Could somebody hack in a pitch comm? Could somebody hack into the automated strike zone, right? Your mind can take you at all sorts of places where this could go. Sure. Sure. My God, man. Now you're really going to make me. I'm going to end up putting a tinfoil hat on after this conversation and wonder who is doing this because there's always somebody trying to get in front. That's the way it works. Um, I'm telling you, I'm really enjoying the book to this point, Evan. I can't wait to, to get into more of the meat of the actual scandal. Again, the book is called Winning Fixes Everything. It is available right now. We have linked it up. How Baseball's Brightest Minds Created Sport's Biggest Mess at Evan Drellick. On Twitter is how you follow him. Of course, The Athletic to see his stuff. Evan, really appreciate you taking the time for us this morning, man. We'd love to chat again down the road. Thanks, Glenn. It's Evan Drellick with us here on GCR. And again, I, the book to me, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm more fascinated by all of the buildup to the scandal. And again, part of that is because that's the part that I've read so far. Like maybe as I get more into the scandal, I will be as fascinated by that. Um, but in trying to learn about the thought process, you use the word McKinsey and people just sort of get the heebie-jeebies, right? Like, here's a company essentially that existed. I remember there being a joke, I think at some point last year when inflation was at its highest, that somebody on Twitter tweeted out, I can't wait for us to find out that all inflation really is is a McKinsey consultant going to these companies and saying, see if people will pay more money for things. And that's all that it was. And it got a lot of play on Twitter, and it was funny, but then there was the part of you that was like, Jesus Christ, why couldn't that be the answer? That's essentially the, the purpose of the existence of McKinsey. Find out if people would pay more money for pineapples. Well, we are, aren't we? Like, has anybody actually, you know, dra- I mean, there are certain things we haven't been able to do, maybe big expenditures because of inflation, but... Have any of us really stopped buying groceries just because groceries are more expensive? We need them. We've proven we're willing to pay exorbitant money for gas. You guys will never believe this. When I was, you know, this isn't 50 years ago. This is 20 years ago. When I was in high school, I was paying 95 cents a gallon for gas. Lucky. I mean, we've proven Sorry. we're willing to pay that much more despite the fact that our salaries aren't going up at all. What are we cutting out? I'm not even sure. At this point, probably our future is the answer. We probably cut out any fallback plan that we might have. And somebody would say, well, that's what we need for the economy is the money has to keep moving. You can't 
hoard your money. Well, the wealthiest of us, we're having a different conversation. Yeah. Somehow I'm making I this about, I don't really want to do that. This is your economic podcast. I'm not really interested <laughs> in doing that, to be clear. And trust me, I'm not nearly smart enough. Our guy, Tim and Belair, is listening to me do this and get, like, pounding. What? You don't know what you're talking about. I love you. I love you, buddy. And I don't. You're right. I have no idea what I'm talking about. Um, what, what just happened here? I think I just had a stroke in the middle of that. I'm talking about uh, the idea of these McKinsey consultants yes. coming in. Um, and, and that's what baseball became. It, like, became a race to we have a non-salary cap sport. How can we figure out a way to make this work and cutting the most cost we possibly can? And the scouting departments were the easiest thing to have go, right? Like, we've got data. Why do we need you? The data can tell us everything we need to know. What are you going to tell us? That we can't learn from raw numbers because you're no longer relying simply on batting average and you know things that could be determined by circumstances. You have so much overwhelming data that you can project it out over, here's what this would look like uh, in independent situations. Here's what someone's batting average would look like if they were facing the exact same pitcher in the exact same park all season long. And you've got it not just at the major league level, but in the minor league level, the college level, the high school. You have so much bloody data that it was easy for organizations to gut the scouting departments in order to save money. Well, how about we save money on baseball? As we talked to David Sampson the other day, David Sampson says the Rays' plan is to find a $20 million baseball player that you only have to pay $8 million to. And all these other teams look at it and say, we think we can do the same. Why would we pay for a 30 to $40 million baseball player? The Rays have exactly as many World Series titles as the Padres do. And I get it, and they're the Mets. Now, I get the Padres and the Mets only started spending the Boku money a couple years ago, but that's the point. Like, the Rays have made themselves just as relevant. You know, the Padres will see if beating the Dodgers finally last year allows them to get over that hump. I mean, it didn't in the NLCS. They ended up getting trounced. But we'll see if that allows them to take the next step and sort of become the team to beat in the NL West now that they've finally gotten the Dodgers monkey off their back. But it's all relevant. The lead-up to this book is trying to figure out if you can do this. And I do find that particularly interesting given the Orioles' pronunci- pronunciation. Is that what pronouncement? What would you call that? Announcement, obviously. Yeah. Is it pronunciation? Is that what? Are you thinking of pronounced? No, yeah. the, the, the verb, the noun form of it. Oh. Like the noun form would be pronoun- pronouncement? Pronouncement? Yeah, the announcement. But pronounce? I don't know. I don't know. College boy, what do you know over there? God. Whatever it is. Yeah, pronouncement. A formal, authoritative announcement or declaration. Their pronouncement that they're the Rays now. That's what they're going to try to be. And as I say all along, like, okay, I get it, but why are you telling me you can't spend money? Mm -hmm. I don't, that's the part. It sounds more like what you're saying is we won't spend money. Uh, Okay, so should I go to the ballpark or not? Right. If you won't spend money, if that's what you're telling me is, even if I come out to the ballpark this year, even if we all support the team, there's a sellout every single night. You're not like you're just deciding that's who you're going to be. Then why am I going to do this? And it goes back to the chicken and the egg thing. Stan the fan always says like, well, we need we you need the fans to show up and support the team in order for the money to be spent. Well, if you're telling me you're going to be the Rays, aren't you telling me that it doesn't matter? You're not going to spend the money. 
As I said, the Rays have been in the bottom third of baseball in payroll every year. There wasn't even one fluky year where they ended up 17th. The one fluky year is when they ended up 21st. Everything else, they've been in the bottom five. Bottom fifth. I think there might have been a 24th mixed in there. I'll look over the numbers again. And I assume they've admitted, like, that's the kind of team we want to be. Like, why work why work harder and not smarter if you have the money? Well, again, the, the maybe if you pulled someone aside within the Orioles, they were like, well, no, it doesn't have to be that we spend that little money. Like, we're just saying... You know, they win a lot, and they're not able to spend that much money. I mean, we might end up having the payroll that's 15th in base. The Orioles might not be. Again, believe it or not, John Angelos has been clumsy in how he's described things. I don't know if you guys have caught on to that. It seems like the like issue you have is, like, the Rays are transparent, whereas the Orioles are not well, so quite I, transparent. Well, I, I don't know about that, right? Like, the, like the, the Rays don't come out and say we're spending yeah, – the, the, our goal is to be the bottom five. No, the Rays don't say that either. They yeah. just do it. Like, right. you just accept that's who they are. Like, you, we've got enough evidence that there's no debating what the Tampa Bay Rays are as a franchise. They're going to not spend. That's what they do. The Orioles, again, could be saying where our goal is we're not going to spend like a major market team – but we want to try to win anyway. Okay, well, there can be gray area between those things. It doesn't specifically have to be never spending. And again, the Rays would hold up and say, well, look, we've spent a little bit. We just think we've spent our money smarter than everybody else has. But it's a tough announcement to stomach. You could still be the Rays and keep a couple of your guys around. That that can happen. But I our belief... Our hope was this thing works, and because it works, you spend to win now. You say, once we get there, we're fortifying with the individual goal of winning a World Series. And the Rays have just never done that. They've never taken a year and said, we're hell-bent to win now. And that's the part that I think is most distressing about this thought process. Again, I'm jumping from, again, a book about sign-stealing scandal to how it portrays to what the Orioles are doing and trying to be like the Rays. And I understand it's not an immediate parallel, but given the players involved and given the strategy involved, you can see why it is that it was interesting to me as I was reading about how the Astros built what they did in the infancy of Jim Crane's ownership. Like, it was very interesting to me watching the parallels and obviously knowing Mike Elias and Sig Meidel are here and were major players in what it is that the Astros were doing. Again, the book is Winning Fixes Everything. It's available right now. Today's show is or not, not brought to you by, but just a reminder, the gambling can be fun, but you should set a limit and stay within it. Remember that if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. Coming up at the top of the 11 a.m. hour, the top of the second hour of the show, we are going to catch up with Jim Nagy, the, the senior bowl... Yeah, blah, 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 blah. You got it. You got God, it. man. How does anyone ever hire me to talk? How do I ever get those jobs? I can barely talk. God. Great sell, I guess. Jim, executive director of the Senior Bowl, is going to join us. We'll talk about the guys that he had down in Mobile, maybe some of the guys that he wishes he had down in Mobile. Uh, as we get ready for the NFL draft, and the combine is next week. That's on the way. Plus, uh, Maryland basketball gets another win last night. We'll discuss that as well. It's on the way. It's Glenn Clark Radio. 
The Baltimore County Police Department is hiring. Entry-level officers started over $60,000 and over $64,000 for lateral officers with $10,000 signing bonuses available. Plus, cadets started over $32,000. Great benefits are available like medical, dental, and vision insurance, tuition reimbursement, 15 sick days per calendar year with no limit, career advancement to more than 20 specialized units, and more with further incentives for military service members and veterans. A passion for service, a career for life, with the Baltimore County Police Department. Find out more at joinbaltimorecountypd.com or call 410-887-5542. Must be a United States citizen, have a valid driver's license and a high school diploma or GED equivalent. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson profiles Orioles phenom Gunnar Henderson, breaking down how he was able to become the top prospect in baseball at such a young age and what could be next in his first full MLB season. Also inside, we meet lacrosse players from the men's and women's college programs across the state, and Bo Smoka breaks down another year wide receiver issues for the Ravens. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. There's something for everyone this February at Laurel Park. Come watch live horse racing every Friday through Sunday and join us on Saturday, February 18th for the Winter Stakes Spectacular featuring six stakes races and $900,000 in purses, including the General George and Barbara Fritchie Stakes. The fun doesn't stop there. Stick around for our winter Mardi Gras celebration with live music, delicious food and drinks, and a carnival atmosphere. Plus, don't miss out on President's Day holiday racing on Monday, February 20th. Visit laurelpark.com for more info. That's laurelpark.com for more. See you at the track. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches. And top it off with a rich, hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Stan the Fan here, welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever's on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food, 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn, over 4100 North Point Boulevard. Check out PressBoxOnline.com every day to find daily winners and betting advice from Jeremy Kahn. And if you want some advice about life decisions that you probably shouldn't make, here's Glenn Clark. All right, back in here on GCR. Again, if you have signed up for maybe like FanDuel or BetMGM, but you haven't signed up for any of the other mobile sports betting offers here in the state of Maryland, you're leaving money, you're leaving free bets on the table. And they won't last forever. I keep trying to tell you that, and you maybe don't believe me because you say, Glenn, you've been saying that for three months. I get it. Like, I understand. But what I've been trying to tell you is I don't know at what point these are just going to go away here in the state of Maryland. We don't know. We have, in our market research, understood in talking to states where gambling was legalized in the past, these companies come in, they dump a lot of offers in, then they at some point assume... Everybody who has signed up or is going to sign up has signed up, 
and they move on to another state and they take these great offers with them. There's always something. There's always a, you know, a bonus or a whatever. Uh, I'm trying to think. What do you? What do they call it when uh, they offer increased odds for a certain a boost? A boost. There's always a, a boost. boost or something like a that. Boost. But these types of offers, something like, you know, if you sign up right now with BetMGM, you get up to one thousand dollars paid back in bonuses if your first bet doesn't win. That won't last forever. It's essentially a free bet, right? Like, you bet $500 on Maryland to beat Northwestern on Sunday, and you lose, you're getting $500 in free bets back, up to $1,000. That you won't be able to get for forever. So if you signed up with one company but not all of them, go look right now at pressboxonline.com offers because you're leaving stuff on the table. As a better, as someone who's interested in doing this, that seems like, you know... A mistake, uh, if you ask me. So go check it out right now, pressboxonline.com slash offers. Maryland basketball does bounce back, as expected last night, and a clinical victory at home over Minnesota. There's not a whole lot to be said about it, which is good, because I was working the Loyola game last night, and I didn't get to watch it. And Griffin didn't really get to watch yeah, it either, because he was working a game uh, last night, I did too. get to watch a little bit of the second half, but they didn't really yes, cover by that the point, game, because Stephen Bardo and I forget who was doing play by play but they were just previewing, essentially, Iowa. and. Well, uh, I mean, by that point, the game was kind of in hand. There wasn't yes, a whole lot. Yes. I, I dealt with this problem. There was still bracketology, essentially, in I, the second half. I was uh, on the ESPN Plus call for Loyola and uh, Holy, win. Holy Cross win. last night. Yes, Loyola, who has struggled mightily Thought all they season, were Maryland. scored 55 points in the first half. And it was a 29-point game early in the second half, and there's only so many ways to say, Loyola play well, Holy Cross not so much. Like, there's <laughs> only so many ways to describe that on a broadcast. So you kind of start to try to cover some other things and, hey, you know, project. Here's what the standings look like in the league. I understand that feeling for the guys working the game. Now, Maryland, Minnesota, we kind of expected it to go the way that it did, and uh, Minnesota beats Maryland – or, sorry, not <laughs> – the other way around. Maryland beats Minnesota, yes. yeah. eighty-eight to seventy. Of course, it's uh, bad news for our friend Prince Charles, who's a Minnesota fan. But I don't think you could have possibly expected anything else. They're uh, terrible this year. I expected it. Uh, yes, Patino's not the coach anymore, and usually with the Patinos, they leave, and then everything just goes to a shattering. It's not like Minnesota flame. was like a world beater. No, but they we went to the tournament like twice. Yes, when at he least was there. at least relevant. And they usually argument. get in trouble, and then they dip off, and it's, then it's, you know there tends the to house be is burning. there's something to be said for that. Yeah. Uh, right now, Iona looks really good, but I don't know if that'll be the case. Of course, they're going to Mount St. Mary's on Friday. It all sets up a, a huge game uh, against Northwestern on Sunday afternoon, noon tip off. By the way, uh, Rita and I will be on at. 3 o'clock on Sunday. So our show, because the Maryland game is at noon, we're going to push back and we'll be on after the Maryland game on Sunday, which is nice because it means I get to watch. Unlike during baseball season where we have, we're have we on during Sunday baseball games, it's nice that this works out that I get to watch the Maryland game and then go on and do the show afterwards. So I'm not opposed to that. And it is significant. The fallout from last night um, is that as you look at where things stand at, or stand at the moment, Maryland is... At, for the moment, in the top four, which would be the teams that get the double buy. Now they have Illinois has a game. Illinois still has another game to make up, and if they win, I'm trying to remember who they play tonight. Do me a favor, pull up the uh, Big Ten. So there, it's not just Illinois. Maryland and Indiana are both ten and seven. Illinois got Northwestern. Illinois, Rutgers, Michigan State, Michigan are all nine and seven. 
So they all all of them play tonight. Is that for real? Yeah, yeah. Michigan Rutgers play tonight. Northwestern Illinois. Northwestern Illinois. And what is Michigan State doing? Uh, Michigan State is not until Saturday. They have Iowa. So Saturday. they have to make up a game at some point. Then they have to squeeze a game in. They have to play like three games next week. They have to play, do like yeah, the Monday. They got, yeah, they, yeah. They play Saturday. Then they have Nebraska on Tuesday at Nebraska. So that's a tough one. Michigan State. And then. And then, sorry, I'm just like, are they not? Is it possible they're not making it? Did they cancel a game after the shooting? No, they do have three games left. They do have three games. Yes, they have, but then they have Ohio State at home on Saturday. Well, no, everybody's got three games left. Everybody's playing. Yeah, they just postponed the game against uh, U of M. So they're just not. Hang on a second. Am I doing this math right? I'm going to do it. Yeah, everybody's got. Maryland's got three games left. So Michigan State, if they've got one less game. They're not making up. I guess not. Yeah, I don't think. Yeah, I the don't other think they're game. gonna make it up. It, so oh, well, it does, I think yeah. only because it doesn't really have implications well, for it, both teams. I don't know. I it looks like it very much could it have does implications, implications for, both, for Michigan both, State. Both but teams. Well, Michigan's sitting there right at nine and seven it. as yeah, well. Minnesota's at the bottom. I'm talking specifically the Michigan State Minnesota game. That's oh, the one Michigan State Minnesota is yeah. the game yes, that was postponed. Okay, I don't think they'll run that back just because. Well, but again, I mean, I don't. There's no real. I guess the. I don't know what Minnesota's schedule is next week. Michigan State could play it next Thursday um, because they play Tuesday, Saturday, so they could squeeze it in between those two things. I don't, I don't know what the Big Ten's decision is going to be about how they handle. I guess they would. Minnesota's yeah, had really two games postponed. They had a game against Illinois a week before postponed right, as they, well because so of COVID. Yeah, but I, I get, yeah, I, I don't think so. Illinois's point, uh, down a game as well. I, this, this they is did, they did make up that game with Illinois. They made up. That's right because yeah. they played that game we did uh, early in the week, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Illinois is good. They're going to get the full slate of games in. It, this is all relevant and determining because right now you're talking about like 16 tiebreaker scenarios. I assume that if Michigan State doesn't make up that game, that ultimately the answer just be ends up being sorry. You know, like mm-hmm. which can't be great for them because it's Minnesota. You would assume that's sort of a surefire win. Um, if you end up missing out on a first round or a, a double bye in the the Big Ten tournament. You're not thrilled with that. I don't know enough of the details of how they're handling that. I haven't paid enough right. attention. My apologies. I don't know what the discussions are with the Big Ten. And they could just keep losing, and then it wouldn't matter. Well, yeah, sure, it wouldn't matter at that point. All I'm starting to point out is that everything is complicated right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Purdue's comfortable. Northwestern is fairly comfortable, although if Maryland were to beat them on Sunday, you know, they're a loss away sometime next week, not knowing who they play tonight. You said they play uh, one of the good Illinois. teams tonight. They play Illinois. Illinois so imagine Illinois. they lose to Illinois tonight. And then they turn around and lose to Maryland on Sunday. All of a sudden, they're sitting with seven losses as well. This thing could get really complicated as far as this picture. Now, I get it. Some of these teams are going to beat each other down the stretch. But ideally, you're trying to get the double bye. I know when we talked to Chris Knocky earlier in the week, he said, look, the Big Ten tournament is not that big of a deal to me. You kind of need some luck. It's a goofy thing where you're playing three, three games, games in a weekend. We all, if you're a fan of a certain age... I think everyone remembers the magic of Maryland's 2004 ACC tournament title. I think for a lot of Maryland basketball fans, it stands out as being the second most significant memory that they have outside of the national championship. I've There's something about when you don't regularly win conference tournaments. And Maryland hasn't in their history. They won in, what, 84 they won the ACC tournament? They won... In 2004, and that's like that's the list in the modern era. They went in 0102. No, they didn't win the ACC tournament. They lost, in fact, in the first round. That was the one they. No, they lost in the court. They won the NCAA tournament. Yeah, okay. They didn't win the ACC tournament. It uh, it stands out 
significantly when you win a conference tournament. I, I think like getting to the Sweet 16 would be cool, especially because you presume it would have to win, be involve a win over a legit team, you know, avenging maybe your loss to UCLA or something like that. It'd be really cool to get to the Sweet 16, but you can get to the Sweet 16. The one time Mark Turgeon got to the Sweet 16, Maryland beat nobody. It was kind of laughable that they got to the Sweet 16. I got to remember off the top of my head, I want to say it was Valparaiso or, or South Dakota State and Hawaii maybe were the two teams they beat in order to do it. Like Cal had lost. What's that? 04, you said? No, no, no. Oh, the year this that, was like, yeah, like This would have been 20. Whatever year Mark Turgeon made the Sweet 16, 2016, 2017, whatever. I don't, oh, God. It was so irrelevant that I don't even have an emotional f- attachment towards it whatsoever. It was, oh, God, the uh, 2015, 2016 NCAA tournament. The 2016 NCAA tournament, Maryland got to the Sweet 16 without having to beat anyone. And that's why when everybody was celebrating it as an accomplishment, I'm like, dude, what are you talking about? They, they got a gift because Cal, I think, got a, their, a player suspended. Yeah, they would have played Cal and said they played Hawaii. They beat South Dakota State and Hawaii to get to the Sweet 16. And they got destroyed by Kansas. Murdered. I mean, just run over by Kansas in the Sweet 16. It is in no way is an accomplishment to me. I don't feel anything towards it. Now, if this Maryland team got to the Sweet 16 by beating, again, UCLA, avenging getting pounded by 30 points, we'd probably feel differently about it. It would be a bit more of a statement about this program and the direction that it's headed in the future. But alone, measuring a Sweet 16 versus winning a conference tournament, I typically am going to say, give me winning the conference tournament. A Final Four, I would feel far differently about. A Final Four is a major accomplishment. But a conference tournament title to me is a big deal. And as we've been talking about, this league is so flipping wide open that while you'd point out Maryland's deficiencies... Every team in the league feels the exact same way. You get a double bye in the Big Ten tournament, you've got as good a chance as anyone in the league, save for Purdue, who, again, you just beat somewhat handily of winning the Big Ten tournament. That would be an unbelievable... I mean, that would be the type of thing that even if they turn around and lost in the first round of the NCAA tournament, honestly, would stand out as of being major significance for laying the groundwork for... I, and I get it. You can put out anomalies. Georgetown won a Big East tournament under Patrick Ewing, who might be the worst coach in basketball history. I mean, it's embarrassing how bad Georgetown is. Although I do believe I saw they won a second game in Big Ten play this year. So congratulations to Georgetown for Big that. East play. Sorry, thank you. Big East play. I understand there are anomalies of teams that won a conference tournament, and it was just the flukiest of flukes, and they never built off of it. And they never accomplished anything. But even that Georgetown team, that Georgetown team that won the the Big East a couple years ago, that won the Big East tournament, wasn't even going to be an NCAA tournament team. It was as fluky as fluky gets. They won the bit. This would be the culmination of a season-long build for Maryland if they were to turn around and go win the Big Ten tournament. So it still even stands out as being more significant in that way. They get Northwestern on Sunday. They win that game. You're feeling really good about their chances of figuring their way to a top-four seed. And, of course, they've been unbelievably good at home this season. So 
I think there's every reason to believe that they can beat Northwestern, even though we know Northwestern's good. I think at home you feel very confident about that. I, I think the trip to Penn State to close the regular season is going to be trickier. I think somebody, DeCourcy, I think, brought that up this week. That's trickier than, that's sort of like the Nebraska game, right? You see it on paper and you're like, oh, Maryland should go to Penn State and win. Because you don't realize Penn State's not awful, and in fact, they're probably not that they're much. They're still probably in that hunt for those four seeds you're talking about because they're, they're at seven and ten in the conference. Yeah, they're they're a little bit behind. They're, behind, they're, they're not in the mix for a double buy, but they'd be in the mix for avoiding having to play on the first night. They of could they the could Big Ten end their tournament. season having the same conference record as a team like Maryland or Indiana. Yeah, if they were to beat yeah. Maryland, absolutely, they'd have a chance. Like if Maryland were losing Northwestern and then turn around and lose at Penn State, yeah, Maryland could get or Penn State could get in that mix with a team like Maryland. Absolutely, I think you're, the point being they're not drastically yeah. different than Maryland is, and on the road, that's going to be a tricky game, but one that on paper Maryland should win, and presumably if they handle their business, if they beat Northwestern on Sunday, if they don't suffer some sort of terribly embarrassing loss at Ohio State next week, they would presumably be favored to win that game even on the road at Penn State uh, in the final day of the regular season. Maryland does get the win last night over Minnesota, and now they improve on the year to 19-9, and so just a win away from a 20-win season. And again, given where expectations were, remarkable, remarkable, no doubt about it. Our number one of today's show is in the books. Today's show is also brought to you by Birdland Sports. You're an O's fan. You're looking for some new gear this year. Go to birdlandsports.com. They've got all sorts of awesome T-shirts, player shirts, really fun designs like the uh, Maverick-style Gunnar Henderson shirt, the Hillbilly Hayes shirt. We're going to be giving some more Birdland Sports shirts away, but if you want to make sure you've got yours for opening day this year, you go right now to birdlandsports.com. Owned and created by Orioles fans. Also, they've got great quality gear. It's not going to fall apart like some T-shirts you buy online in the next couple of years. And on top of all that, the prices are better than the big guys. Birdlandsports.com, again, is the website for you to get your gear. Let's talk some NFL draft. Always appreciate this man taking time for us. He is the executive director of the Reese's Senior Bowl. He is our friend, Mr. Jim Nagy, and he's back with us now here on GCR Jim, it's Glenn in Baltimore. It's great to chat with you, man. Thank you so much for taking a couple of minutes for us this morning. Yeah, absolutely. Good to be back on. Well, a couple of things I want to lead with with you. One, uh, kind of a nice place for Maryland football fans to be seeing the number of Maryland players that have shown up at the Senior Bowl the last couple of years. I know it doesn't have anything to do with the NFL draft, but maybe one more sort of statement about what Mike Loxley and his staff have done in reestablishing Maryland as a program. Yeah, they've got a, they've got a lot of talent there. You know, the the uh, DMV area always produces a bunch of talent, and Coach Locke is keeping it there. Yeah, Jalen Duncan had a great week down here. Jacorian Bennett had a great week. Um, you know, Chad Ryland uh, did a good job kicking too. So yeah, no, those guys they're they're, they're doing a really nice job stocking that thing. We, we know that, of course, in Baltimore, we are not in the market for a kicker. But I saw a video this week of Chad Ryland like very casually knocking down sixty-five yard field goals, and I was just like, man, that dude. That dude's gonna be a player. That dude is gonna yeah, do he, this. He, you know, he's he's one of those guys you can hear it. You know, you right. walk out on the practice field, and the, the specialists always warm up early. And you walk out on the practice field, and there's no one else out there except those guys. And and uh, when Chad puts his foot into it, it, there is a there is a different sound than some of those other guys. There's no doubt about it. Uh, you're not gonna believe this, Jim, but we are talking about wide receiver in Baltimore. We've never done that before. It's a new thing that we're talking about that position. 
Um, I know a lot of the guys are at, that are at the top of the draft weren't guys that you had, but a name a couple of people that were down there brought up to me and said, dude, this guy's going to rise, was the name Michael Wilson from Stanford. Can you tell me a little bit about him and what you saw from him in sort of declaring himself as being a top prospect at the Senior Bowl? Yeah, you know, the, the Stanford team struggled this year um, as a whole, you know, and so a lot of these guys, you know, are just getting undervalued right now. Um, but uh, but a talented guy, you know, when we when we did our calls around the league, kind of comparing grades with what our staff felt and what the league felt, uh, most teams had him in the fifth round area. He is a high, high character guy, um, and that showed while he was in Mobile. I mean, he's one of my, my one of my favorite guys we've had down here, total pro, um, you know, but I think everyone kind of the narrative on him was that he was just a really solid, polished possession receiver. And he, he showed up in Mobile with a, with a different set of gears. I mean, this guy got deep when he wanted to get deep. Um, he was good off the line with his release stuff, so that's where the polish comes in. But just made plays every day and at all, all, all three levels. So um, a guy now I think is going to end up going in the third. I think, the, you know, the only thing with him is there's been some injury stuff, but it's not, nothing major like this year with a collarbone. Um, you know, so I think teams are just going to have to dig in the – to some of the durability stuff, but if you take that out of the equation, um, the guy looks like to be, you know, at minimum a number two receiver in the league, like a two slash three, um, if you're if you're putting together a really good roster. So, um, yeah, he certainly helped himself. There's no doubt. Was there anybody else at the receiver position that you thought? Again, I I don't know if any of these guys can crack into the top six because it seems like the top six are kind of entrenched at this point, in whatever order people have them, but. Anybody else that you think sort of cracked their way into being an early night two type of guy at the receiver position, someone who could be a legitimate answer for a team that maybe needs wide receiver help right now? Uh, yeah, a couple guys. Jaden Reed from Michigan State, you know, kind of similar to, to uh, you know, what happened at Stanford this year. Michigan State, you know, wasn't real prolific throwing the football this year, but we've, we've, been, we've had our eye on Jaden for a couple years. He was a junior um, that graduated last year. So we, you know, we thought we might get him a year ago and, and coach Tucker got him back to East Lansing. Uh, but you know, Jaden showed up same thing every day, really dynamic. Um, he's an NFL level punt returner. I know you guys don't need one of those, but, um, you know, he, he's, he's dynamic with the ball in his hands, really fast. All the GPS stuff came off really fast for, for Jaden. And, uh, he looks like a guy that's going to start in the slot really early in his career. So I don't think he gets out of day two. Uh, Dontavian Wicks from Virginia needed a good week and he had a really good week. You know, his numbers were, you know, we talk about an offense that struggled. Virginia's offense really struggled this year, um, across the board. All those guys did. Uh, but so Dontavian, uh, what he needed to do was show that he was consistent catching the football because there's just too many drops on 2022 tape and, mm-hmm. and he cleaned that up during the week. And, and again, he's a, he's a really high end athlete for a, for a bigger receiver, um, and you saw that in a lot of the double move stuff. Um, and this guy can accelerate and decelerate. Um, and so, you know, I, I do think he's got himself probably good. going into the year. A lot of teams had second round grades on him. And then, you know, after the season he had, I think he fell out of day two, was more of a, you know, fourth, fifth round guy. And, and I think he might be back into day two now. He is Jim Nagy, executive director of the Senior Bowl. He's with us here on GCR. Jim, the other position where the Ravens seem to have the most need is, I mean, again, if we if we ignore the question at quarterback, which is a ten thousand pound elephant in the room, of course, at the moment. But um, let me let me go to another position of need, which is at cornerback. Who stood out to you most as far as the cornerbacks that you had down there in Alabama? 
Uh, probably the biggest mover was Darius Rush from South Carolina. Um, you know, big, long corner, right at 6'2", 200 pounds, 33-inch arms, so fits the prototype that most teams are looking for size-wise. And, you know, what, what scouts do, what we, what we tend to do sometimes with bigger corners, we kind of lazily question if they can run or not. Um, that's just kind of what, what scouts like to do. And uh, he answered that um, resoundingly. He was the fastest guy at this year's Senior Bowl, which puts him up with, like, Tariq Woolen last year, Terry McLaurin a couple years before that. I mean, this guy hit 21.6 on the wow. on the Zebra Technology stuff. So he was, he was moving. And, uh, you know, and really did a great – now, he wasn't just fast. He did a great job in coverage all week. He was running routes with people, um, got his hands on a, lot of, on a lot of balls. So he was voted the uh, DB of the week by his team. And then, uh, you know, kind of keeping it close to you, I, th- I thought Anthony Johnson from, from Virginia had a really good week as a big corner um, and ran faster than people thought. And Julius Brents from Kansas State, who's, who's even bigger and longer than those other two guys. Julius is like 6'3 and change and, and has the longest wingspan of any corner that's come out since the, the NFL started doing the wingspan measurements. So, um, yeah, we, we had a big corner group this year. Tyreek Stevenson from Miami is another, another big corner you could throw in that group that had a good week. So, um, I think a lot I, of all the positions, I think probably the corner position, those guys help themselves the most collectively. Let, let's stay there in the secondary. We, you know, I, this year at, at Maryland, as I started the conversation, was probably about the best secondary that we had seen there in some time. What is Jacorian Bennett as far as an NFL prospect, Jim? Yeah, I think he can play inside and outside. He's a hometown guy for us. He's from Mobile, Alabama. Um, didn't have any real offers coming out. I think, you know, people that are Maryland fans, they know his rowdy, you know, Juco guy. It was really cool to get Jacorian back home because, I mean, we produce a lot of NFL players down here. We've got the most NFL players per capita of any city in the country. I think we had 13 guys or 14 guys in opening day rosters, wow. which is in- incredible for wow. a city the size of, of Mobile, Alabama. But he wasn't even a name guy coming out of high school, so it was, it was cool getting him back down here. And um, I wasn't aware that he capped his last game there at Maryland with an interception on the last play, and he did the same thing in the Senior Bowl game. He walked off the field with a, with a walk-off interception. So um, really fast. You know, he's another guy. I think he was top five on the GPS stuff. He's going to – He's going to run really fast, jump really high at the combine. Um, he's going to blow that thing up next week. So, um, but I do think he's got inside-outside versatility. And the biggest thing with Jacorian is when he's in position to make a play on the ball, he makes a play on the ball. So um, it's hard to teach guys how to finish, and, and he's got that instinctively. So, yeah, I think he's, he, you know, I, I think he's probably going to be in that third-round area after all the testing and, and the ball disruption. I don't, I don't see a guy with, with all that stuff getting out of, getting out of the second uh, – Second, second day. Just because we're talking about Maryland guys, let me let me give you the same question about Jalen Duncan, who you know really solidified this offensive line here for a while. And I know um, that has not always been an issue. Believe it or not, there've been a lot of quarterback injuries over the years at the University of Maryland. So he was such a helpful piece. Where do you see Jalen Duncan fitting in as an NFL prospect? Yeah, Jalen's another guy that needed a good week, and, and he had one, especially when he was on the left side. Um, right before you called, we were watching uh, watching tape from the week as a staff, and uh, when he was on the left side and, and looked comfortable because that's, that's his home, right, um, he made it look easy. He made it look easy against some really good rushers, um, like Keon White from Georgia Tech, who's probably going to go in the top half of the first round. Um, took, took some really good reps against Keon White. Like, there was zero strain to him. I mean, the guy – if he's not a starting left tackle in the league for, for a decade, I, I mean, there's, I don't know what it's going to be. It's nothing physical 
Um, you know, his thing on tape this year was just some inconsistency game to game. Mm-hmm. Um, and I talked to Jalen about it going into the week. Like, he just needed to have a good, solid week and build on it and, and get better every day, which I feel like he did. Um, so, again, there's just guy, guys with that athleticism to play left tackle. There's, there's not many of them. Um, you know, Scott, we like to say they don't grow on trees. Right. So, um, you know, if you're looking as a pure left pass-protecting left tackle in this draft, I mean, there, there are only going to be a couple couple guys that might go higher than, than Jalen Duncan because it's just hard to find guys that move their feet that easily. Probably not relevant to the Ravens, but I guess given Ronnie Stanley's injury history, maybe you don't want to just cons- assume that he's definitely going to be on the field for every game, but obviously relevant for Jalen Duncan. Jim Nagy, executive director of the Reese's Senior Bowl, with us here on GCR. Jim, a guy that you had down there that wasn't able to play, that's that's interesting in context for us here in Baltimore. I've had a couple of people, as we've done, you know, we do these weekly NFL draft segments, suggest to me this idea that Hendon Hooker's talent is so significant that if you're a team like the Baltimore Ravens that ends up franchising ta- franchise tagging Lamar Jackson and playing him on the franchise tag this season, but without confidence that he's definitely going to be your guy long term, you could use maybe a later pick on a Hendon Hooker, feel really good about what you have, and perhaps by the time he gets healthy, if you move on from your quarterback, he's ready to be your guy and would have been the type of guy that we're talking about how had he not gotten hurt. Can you give me sort of your dive into what you got to know of Hendon Hooker, the way that you've scouted him, the belief that you have that he is a top quarterback prospect that's just going to be penalized because he's injured right now? Yeah, he's a uh, Hennon's an interesting case. I mean, we we've never done it before, at least in my five years at the Senior Bowl, we've never brought an injured player down here. Uh, I just don't think it's right. I mean, I, we want all our guys on the field competing, but but Hennon was a, a unique case. I think the quarterback position, um, the interview time, you know, just the, the the meeting room time with the other quarterbacks is is really significant for that position. And wanted to give Hennon that opportunity. He earned it. Um, he was one of the faces of college football this year. Had had he not had he not had that ACL late in the year, he, he he you know probably should have been in New York for the Heisman um, as a finalist. But but no, he's he's a guy that I think uh, he'll be he'll be fine by next year. I think he'll be fine by the start of camp, timetable wise, to to do everything. And uh, you know you just look at it almost like a tale of two careers from his Virginia Tech career to his Tennessee career. But super efficient, protects the football, plays really smart. There's going to be some questions about transitioning from you know, that, that up-tempo offense at, uh, with the Vols that, that Josh Heupel does such a great job, um, you know, drawing up. But, but in terms of looking what this guy's career arc was and how much better he got in a short period of time under new coaches, um, it was impressive, man. It was impressive. He's an impressive guy. So I do, I think some teams going to, I think he's going to go probably, you know, somewhere on day two, probably more third. Um, I've been seeing some talk that he might get in the first round. I, I don't know if he's going to go that high, uh, but probably somewhere on day two. And, and yeah, I, I wouldn't rule out the possibility of Hendon being a starter. Now he's he's a different package than Lamar. I mean, he's certainly not the right. runner that Lamar was. Right. If you're look if you're looking at that guy, you're looking at a guy like Malik Cunningham, who we who we had in the game. Who, you know, the reason we invited Malik was I thought we didn't invite Tyler Huntley when he came out of Utah, and uh, I just thought Malik was was further along as a quarterback than Tyler was. And, and mm. give Tyler a ton of credit; mm. he's put in a lot of work and he's developed himself into a viable backup quarterback. But but uh, Malik would fit. I mean, Malik's skill set. Obviously, he broke some of, uh, right. you know, some Lamar's of Lamar's records, records there yeah. at Louisville. I mean, that that's a that's that's really kind of an identi- identical skill set. Now, I'm not 
not sitting here saying Blake Cunningham's the future MVP of the league. Right. Um, but if you're looking for a, if you're looking for a skill set to develop, um, you know, behind Lamar, that that might be a good fit as well. That's really interesting. I mean, that would be almost it almost feels too on brand, right? <laughs> like that would be really yeah, interesting. Yeah, no doubt. Um, uh, Jim, before I let you go, can you give me one other player, you know, regardless of position, that you say, hey, look, th- pay attention. Like, this is some we think about some of the guys that have had huge weeks, some of the offensive linemen in particular, that really got themselves on the radar during the course of the Senior Bowl. Who's someone that you think you might not have been talking about them a couple weeks ago, but by the time we get to the draft, th- this is going to be a name that everybody's going to be discussing? Yeah, you know, I, I kind of default into him because I just posted a, on social media this morning about him. It's Sidney Brown's a safety yeah. from Illinois. Um, I think Devin Witherspoon, the corner, you know, we had him committed to the game and his uh, agent pulled him out the minute Daniel Jeremiah mocked him number six overall in the draft. Um, but, uh, you know, he's gotten a lot of the love. But Sidney Brown's a guy that I think is going to be a starting NFL safety. Uh, you know, I think the narrative on Sidney was that he was more of a box safety you know, coming into the year, and then he, he goes out and has six interceptions this year, and then you get him in senior bowl practices and a lot of man coverage stuff, and he was really good, like better than some of the corners. So I know that that Ravens team looks like, the, you know, looking at the depth chart right now, um, you know, they might they might use an upgrade at safety, and I think that Sidney's the guy that will be able to come in because of the person that he is um, and because of the, the physical tools. I mean, he's a guy that could come in and maybe play right away. Um, he he definitely helped himself as much as anyone um, on the defensive side of the ball during the week. At Jim Nagy underscore SB is how you follow him on Twitter. Jim, is there anything we can be plugging for you guys that, that you're going to be doing uh, throughout the course of the year? Or, uh, any TV work that you're going to be doing? Anything else that we can get a plug in for you? Yeah, we, we're, we're going to have our Senior Bowl recap show on the NFL Network this weekend leading into the Combine. They're going to re-air that thing a bunch during Combine week. Uh, just taped that with Dan Jeremiah last week. So, just that, and then and then follow us year round. I mean, we're we're cranking draft content. As soon as this draft is over, we'll we'll be posting stuff on the 2024 draft. So, um, if you want to know about all these guys we're talking about a year before everyone else, uh, just give us a follow. This is what we're doing. We're already watching tape in the office on 2024. So, um, if you want to stay, in, some people like to follow the draft year round. If you do, um, we give you clean takes every day. Awesome, uh, Jim. Always appreciate you, man. Thank you so much for taking a couple of minutes for us this morning. You got, you got it, Glenn. Thanks for having me on. Jim Nagy, executive director of the Reese's Senior Bowl, with us for our NFL draft segment here on GCR. Today's show, or how about this, a reminder tonight, Stan the Fan Charles and Gary Steiner catch up with new UMBC soccer coach Anthony Adams. And if you missed earlier in the week, Stan and Ross Grimsley caught up with Ben McDonald. You can find that show, facebook.com slash pressboxsports. YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline or PressBoxOnline.com slash video. We have some visitors to the studio this morning. We're going to let them say hello coming up next. Still to come this morning, we're going to preview Stevenson lacrosse season. We've got to get the fighting words. Still a lot to do here on a Thursday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. Are you a diehard O's fan looking for the perfect way to show your team spirit? Look no further than Birdland Sports. Birdland Sports is a small business run by fans for fans. They offer a wide variety of unofficial O's merchandise from the Birds Are Coming tees to player cartoon shirts and more. And the best part? Their prices are more affordable than the big guys. So head to BirdlandSports.com and grab your gear today. Show your support for the Birds with Birdland Sports. Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. 
Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson profiles Orioles phenom Gunnar Henderson, breaking down how he was able to become the top prospect in baseball at such a young age and what could be next in his first full MLB season. Also inside, we meet lacrosse players from the men's and women's college programs across the state, and Bo Smoka breaks down another year wide receiver issues for the Ravens. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com That first sip That first bite Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Make the most out of every day in your Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. The Baltimore County Police Department is hiring. Entry-level officers started over $60,000 and over $64,000 for lateral officers with $10,000 signing bonuses available. Plus, cadets started over $32,000. Great benefits are available like medical, dental, and vision insurance, tuition reimbursement, 15 sick days per calendar year with no limit, career advancement to more than 20 specialized units, and more with further incentives for military service members and veterans. A passion for service, a career for life, with the Baltimore County Police Department. Find out more at joinbaltimorecountypd.com or call 410-887-5542. Must be a United States citizen, have a valid driver's license and a high school diploma or GED equivalent. If you miss anything on the show, don't forget that you can watch full episodes at youtube.com slash pressboxonline and you can download podcasts on Apple, iTunes, Amazon, and Grindr. Wait, did I say Grindr? I don't think that you would find it on Grinder. Not that I know it's on Grinder or anything. I swear. Second thought, you know what? I don't care what you think. Here's Glenn. All right, back in here on GCR. It is always good for me to see this, man. You know what's funny? There was a time in my life where I would not have been nearly as comfortable with having a close personal friendship with a police officer. It would have been <laughs> more troublesome for me. If I would have been seeing this man as seeing what I'm posting on social media, I would have been like, yeah, yeah. Might have had to set some settings in there, not show everything to everyone. But um, that was a long time ago. I want to make that abundantly clear. Back in studio with this Corporal Robbie Wright from the Baltimore County Police Department. So good to see you, my friend. Thanks for coming in. Hey, always good to be here. Definitely. Um, and I'm glad we're comfortable now. Too. Oh, oh, now that. I'm in that place in my life. Well, no, and in fact, as you know, I'm very proud of our association. It's an honor um, to have you in here and to be associated with the Baltimore County Police Department. And again, as everybody knows, I'm also the record holder for the, the best agilitor of all of them uh, when it comes to the agility test that you can go take. No one has ever performed better than your pal GC in the Baltimore County Police Department agility test. Everybody knows that. I, I, I am working on getting you a plaque in the office. Thank so you. I am working on Thank that. Thank you. That's the least <laughs> I could ask for. Um, uh, great to see you. Obviously, this Saturday, we've been talking about it for a couple weeks, a really important event, and for a couple of different reasons, right? Um, the first being, you guys are hiring. Correct. And this is an opportunity on Saturday 
for you to kind of be a this is a one-stop shop if you have been considering making a career change you can kind of do everything you need to do this saturday at the public safety building correct so when you say one-stop shop for this Saturday, the Public Safety Building, 700 East Joppa Road from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. We'll have a lot of different moving parts, but one of those parts will be for pre-scheduled applicants. We'll have the written test available. Mm-hmm. Also on the day, we'll have agility testing. So the cool thing about the agility testing is it's not just for those who are in the application process currently. It's also for people who just walk up and just say, hey, I want to take know. it right. and I want to see how I can do. So they can come by, take the agility testing. Another part that we have for today is... Um, and this is a couple of things we've added in the last couple of weeks. So members of our training academy will be on hand running our TI simulation, um, virtual simulation machine. What does that mean? So pretty much the machine runs people through virtual scenarios that are police related. Wow. And the scenarios are going to be focused on de-escalation tactics. Okay. So it's going to be verbal. So no okay. one's going to have like a virtual handgun or weapon or anything. But it's just going to be, can you talk your way through scenarios? Can you calm down, you know, situations? Can you talk to people? And with the scenario So this is training, not like the scene in Men in Black where Will Smith was being asked to choose which person he should shoot. In no. The <laughs> and he accidentally shot the old lady. This is not that. No, right? no, no. No, like, this okay, is all, all right. about using your words, right, right, using right, your abilities right, to talk right. to people. So they're going to be running that. And once again, that's going to be for attendees. So whether you're in the application process, not in it, okay. hey, test your talking skills, right? Okay. And then a second part, and this is still part of it, we're going to have our keynote speaker there. And, so, and that's that's what I was This is obviously, it's important for that. Correct. But the second part of it, and you and I have talked about this almost every time that you and I have had a conversation there has been a national narrative about the relationship between the community and the police. And you guys have made it very clear to me, like, we want to be the change. We want to be a part of this, and we want our community to know who we are. We want everybody to know that we want to work together in order to try to make these things work. And days like Saturday are really important for that relationship between the Baltimore County Police Department and the community. Correct. And as we've said, you know, many times over a big part of these community events is for not just applicants, but for members of the community to get to know your police agency, your local police agency. And another way we're doing that with this um, event tomorrow or Saturday is our keynote speaker. So it's going to be Stefan Benford. He is he works for Motorola Solutions. And he's a big community advocate for the police department and just police department and community relations. He's done a lot of work in regards to that. And also he's done a lot of work with first responders in regards to just providing support for just different situations. So he's a very good point of reference in regards to saying, hey, look, not only is this relationship important for police, but it's important for the community as well. And also he's someone who I think can kind of communicate that message to our applicants. Because it's one thing for a police officer to say to a potential police officer, hey, community relations is important. Right. When you get a member from the community who says, I support you 100 percent. But I also need you to understand your relationship with us is important, too. When you get that member of the community who can do that, I mean, I, we think that's going to really hit very well for people attending so. no i think it's really important you know it's funny because i, th- I think i might have told you this i when i did the um the the agility test i had someone reach out to me and say is the point of this really supposed to be that anybody if you can do it anybody can do it because i'm not sure i just want anybody to be a police officer <laughs> right. i'm not really sure that's what i'm looking for and i said well i think the point is that anybody could pass the agility if i can do it anybody can do it correct you can pass the agility test 
Um, but the idea is, you you know, obviously you want these to be people that have a passion for the community and for being part of a solution and not just someone who, you know, is, is kind of crazy. Like you want it to be someone who cares deeply about this community. Exactly, 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 exactly. And to your point, with things like the agility, things like the written test, and, you know, I, I understand when we say anybody can do it, I understand somebody said to the point, oh, we don't want anybody right, to do it, which right. – Fair enough. But the whole point is this is you have so many people out there who want to make a difference in their community. You have so many people who want to be a part of the solution, but they look at things such as the agility test as I don't know how I can do with the agility test. And what we try to encourage people is come out to our events, come out to our agility dates, come out and try it. Yep. And we're even to the point of we're saying, look, you don't have to pre-register for this. You don't have to contact us. You don't have to do any of that. Just show up. Find out where we're having it. Show up. Be there on time. Try it out for yourself and see how it goes. That way to alleviate that fear, that uncertainty. And also you can see that, hey, you can do this and you can take this test and start your process on to becoming the change you want to see in your community. That's exactly right. And again, that part of it, I mean it if I can do it. (laughs) I swear you can do it. I swear. (laughs) You might need to go out once and sort of get a feel for it and go that route. As you know, I, not everybody is a well-conditioned athlete like I am. <laughs> and Robbie. Robbie and I, again, we, people look at us and they're like, now which one of you is Glenn and which one of you is right. Robbie? That happens exactly. all the time uh, when, we, we, like, when we're out in public. It's, it's damn uncanny. I, I know. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I, I get confused myself sometimes. <laughs> Poor Robbie Wright <laughs> is in studio with us in the Baltimore County Police Department. Again, this Saturday, 10 a.m., correct? It's this Saturday starts at 10 a.m., yep. runs through 2 p.m. It's going to be at the Public Safety Building, 700 East Joppa Road, our police headquarters. It's going to go on rain or shine. So we've made a contingency in regards to our setup. I know it's supposed to be colder, too. We've made a contingency just to make sure people are comfortable who are attending. We're going to have not just the various parts, such as the written, the agility, the TI testing, and also or scenario training and the keynote speaker. Our specialized units are going to be there. So we'll have aviation, canine, marine, awesome. bomb squad. They'll be there. Their job is answer your questions. Yep. If you got questions, see demonstrations, they're there for that. Recruiters and background investigators, background investigators will be there to answer questions about the process and just about the agency at large. So once again, it's just another, you know, it's none of our, of our hiring events. I strongly encourage people to come out to these events because once again look get to know your local police agency right get to know what law enforcement's about get to know the members of the agency and hey sometimes you you might come in without an interest in law enforcement and leave and be like you know what no, i, I think, think about I can, it right yeah. yeah absolutely and just get some questions answered and again even if you're not even if you're not it's a good opportunity for you if you've got kids you're trying to ingrate like just say hey look we want you to know these folks. We want you to see what it is they're doing, be around, and understand we're all trying to work together. And, here. and, and, and I'm glad you brought up kids because I've bumped into um, parents all the time with their kids, and a lot of times their kids want to run up and say, hey, can I take a picture with you, officer? Yeah, can absolutely. my kid take a picture? Yep. And I'm like, hey, look. Yes, definitely take the picture, but come out to our events. You, your kids will have a great time just seeing all the different things that we do. And it's I mean, su- it's such a good point. <laughs> right. my, my kids are very. I once took my kids. Corporal Robbie Wright is in the studio with us in the Baltimore County Police Department. I once took my kids to a, an event that was just about. There's a bunch of big work trucks out mm-hmm. here, and they can. It was called Touch a Truck Day. They can come out and see all these. And my kids at that age, it was like I introduced them to you know a, a, a Taylor Swift or Justin. Like they were losing their effing minds it would be very similar right, right exactly like, for them to come and be like oh wow real life cops like whoa like that's is he really like that's exactly the way they exactly. would be for my kids on saturday um a reminder that 
it's not just necessarily if you're you know looking for a career change. Perhaps you know someone who struggling out of high school, not finding Correct. a path, not finding the right direction. There's all sorts of different opportunities available within the Baltimore County Police Department. Correct. So one of the opportunities we have, we have our cadet program. So the cadet program, we accept applications at the age of 17 and a half. They start working at the age of 18. It's a full-time, full-pay position. Pay starts at a little over $32,000. Yep. They get full benefits as soon as they start. They start paying into the retirement program. So it that time counts towards their retirement time. As a cadet, you're based in various positions within the agency, so you're not sworn. You don't carry a badge and gun. However, you assist us in multiple units, such as K-9 in the employment section where I'm based out of. Multiple units, all 10 precincts have cadets, so it's an opportunity to kind of get that hands-on experience with law enforcement before you become a sworn officer. Another one, and another thing I'll pitch, and I don't know if I've really pitched this, but Matter of fact, I did a couple of weeks right. ago our intern yeah, program. Yeah, absolutely, right. So we do have an intern program for college juniors and seniors. Um, Don't I remember there being much, a high school student that was involved in There was. Yes, right? There was a high school student as well. Yeah. Um, so for the college ones, specifically for the college ones, we do have a program for them, and we base them throughout the agency. So it's a general internship program. If they express a interest in, let's say, forensics, we can see if we can make that work. But it's pretty much a general internship where – they can be placed anywhere in the agency. You're correct. We do currently have two. We have one in college. We also have a high school one that um, we did a processing for that we ended up bringing in. We don't have too many high school interns, so she's sort of the first one in our section. So we're exploring expanding that. That's cool. The college one, however, I mean, that one is fully up and running. We have over 20 interns right now wow. in the Baltimore County Police Department. And it we offer internships through not just the fall and spring semesters, but also during the summer and winter months as well. So if somebody's home from like somewhere else they're going, could they they could still Correct. intern? Wow. Exactly. So they can submit an application, we get them through the process, and then they can have their intern internship up and ready to go by the time the summer comes through. Huh. So and we actually I put up a post actually calling for, you know, those who are interested in the internship program, hey, come out to our event on Saturday. Saturday. Yep. If you're interested in the cadet program, hey, come out on Saturday. We will have things there for you. And for both of those positions, along with police officer, you can apply on the spot. So for both of those, you can put in an application for them. Where, remind me on social, because we always talk about com. but on social, where can people be following you? So... Off the top of my head, I believe it's Baltco PD. That sounds right. Baltco PD. I'm going to double check. <laughs> on Instagram. I'm going to double check. <laughs> I think that's right. I think that's right. Hang on a second. I'm very old man when it comes to this. I always feel like hip, and then I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing here. Uh, yes. At yes Balt, yeah, there, there you go. go. <laughs> at Baltco. Oh, sorry. No. At Baltco Police. Ah! So at, at Baltco Police. So on Instagram at Baltco Police, you can find information on all of our upcoming events, any initiatives we're doing, our upcoming agility dates. And also um, on Baltco Police, we try to do features on specific officers, specific units as well. Another way you can follow us is on our Baltimore County Police Recruitment page on Facebook as well. It's under Baltimore County Police Recruitment. You can find that on Facebook. And then I'm glad you brought this up, the website, joinbalmercountypd.com, our new website we launched last month. Um, we've been getting a lot of hits on it. We've been getting a lot of inquiries through it as well. You go to the website. You can see officer testimonies, get to know more about the process, the agency. On top of that, 
which you'll find on the contact us page, you'll see there's my email, my sergeant's email, our captain's email. So it's a chance to just personally reach out to us. Specifically speak, not just some generic, you know how this goes when you get to a website, like info at Baltimore. Like, and you're like, I'm not talking to a human being here. You're saying right. you would actually talk to Corporal Robbie Wright. Exactly. Now, if you want to use the generic one, that's perfectly fine. But yeah, I, I don't, don't want to do that. I want to talk to a human being. It's Robbie, I'm very old in that way. Yeah. Now, maybe the young people don't care about this. I'm telling you, I, it drives me insane whenever I have to email an info. I'm not. Yeah, I'm, I'm talking to some AI somewhere, and they, maybe the AI, AI is who I need to talk to. And I will say this. Even if you send one to our contact us information, it goes to our recruiter email. Okay. Our recruiter is always monitoring that, so the response you'll get from that is from the recruiter. And I will say that we've had people who personally emailed us. I actually received one last night, a personal email from it. So it's working. It's available. So if you want to reach out to us with any questions about the process, please do so. Awesome. Uh, Robbie, before I let you go, you know, I always have to ask the same thing. Do you have uh, a story about an idiot for me by chance? Do you have somebody who attempt <laughs> in recent, like somebody who did something very, very stupid that is worth sharing with me? Oh, my goodness. Do you know what? I got to... I got to come up with a story. I know. Just I give mean, me I, an opportunity I, just to kind of scrub some information to protect the innocent. All right, all right, all right. I do know there's a little bit of that that's going on. I always want you to come and be here like, you're not going to believe what somebody tried to shove up their butt. You are not going to believe. I, and I, not necessarily involving you. It's somebody else's out. And it's Correct. Like, Robbie, Robbie, what I had to deal with today, they were caught. They attempted right in front of me to shove something. I'm like, that's the story that I'm looking for. I'm right. looking for the pure, just comedic joy of an idiot and what they were trying to get away with. Uh, Corporal Robbie Wright, it is always great to see you, my friend. Hey, thank you for the opportunity always. Again, I appreciate Saturday it. at 10 a.m., um, get over to the Public Safety Building, 700 East Chopper Road here in Towson. And, of course, join BaltimoreCountyPD.com, as always, is the website. Uh, appreciate what you do. Always, anything we can do, please let me know. Hey, appreciate you guys just giving us the opportunity always. Thank, thank you so thank much. Thank you for coming in here and spending some time with us. Of course. We'll come back in here. Uh, Stevenson Lacrosse, their first home game is Saturday night. We're going to preview them next. It's Glenn Clark Radio. Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. Baseball season is finally here, and what better way to celebrate than with some fresh gear from Birdland Sports. As a small business run by O's fans, Birdland Sports offers a great selection of unofficial merchandise, including unique designs like Birds Are Coming tees, player cartoon shirts, and championship prediction designs. And the best part? Their prices are more affordable than the big guys. Get high-quality gear without breaking the bank. So whether you're heading to the ballpark or watching from home, show your love for the birds with Birdland Sports. Visit Birdland Sports sports.com today to browse their collection and gear up for the season let's go o's whether your focus is luxury and comfort convenience and technologically advanced connectivity or sporty performance and aggressive styling we've got the perfect highlander for you check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new highlanders from your local toyota dealer today 
There's something for everyone this February at Laurel Park. Come watch live horse racing every Friday through Sunday and join us on Saturday, February 18th for the Winter Stakes Spectacular featuring six stakes races and $900,000 in purses, including the General George and Barbara Fritchie Stakes. The fun doesn't stop there. Stick around for our Winter Mardi Gras celebration with live music, delicious food and drinks, and a carnival atmosphere. Plus, don't miss out on President's Day holiday racing on Monday, February 20th. Visit laurelpark.com for more info. That's laurelpark.com for more. See you at the track. Another Orioles season is in the books, and the bat around was there every step of the way as the Birds posted their first winning season in six years. And after promoting two number one overall prospects in Adley Rutschman and Gunnar Henderson, Mike Elias has said it's liftoff from here. Hi, I'm Paul Valley, and along with my co-host Zach Goodman, we'll be here every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon all off-season discussing every signing, trade, and waiver claim as we navigate the cold winter months that lead to spring training. You can watch us at youtube.com slash pressboxonline and facebook.com slash Pressbox Sports or listen live at pressboxonline.com slash radio. And if you miss a show, you can find us anywhere you get your podcast. So tune into the Bat Around with Paul Valley and Zach Goodman every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon, right here at Pressbox Sports. Stan the fan here, welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever's on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food. 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn over 4100 North Point Boulevard. If you need more of Glenn, you can also hear him every Sunday with Rita on 105.7 The Fan. But also, if you need more of Glenn, um, what's wrong with you? Thanks again to uh, Corporal Robbie Wright from the Baltimore County Police Department for stopping in and hanging out with us this morning. Again, join BaltimoreCountyPD.com. Today's show also brought to you by PressBoxOnline.com slash offers. Opportunity for you to take advantage of free bets, of bonuses, of all sorts of amazing offers from the various sports books here in the state of Maryland. And you might have signed up for one of them, but maybe you didn't sign up for all of them. You want to make sure you get the pressboxonline.com slash offers because you're leaving money on the table. Again, pressboxonline.com slash offers is the website. Get signed up. Uh, which number did you call? Did you call the 410 number or did you call the... No, sorry, that's four one All right, very good. Here, I'll send them a text, and then we'll go for that. They have practice at noon, so uh, we're, in, we're in a very small window. Um, all right, hang on a second. Hang on a second. Uh, just trying calling from studio. All right, there we go. Right. I walk right. past the practice, like, every day. Like, they're just yeah yep. out there at noon, which is kind of weird because, like, that's, like, prime class time. Is it? So I think a lot of them take night class. I saw somebody. I think uh, when sucks. when Micah interned for us, he was like, "Yeah, we practice at like eleven at night." I'm like, "What the f?" Yeah. <laughs> like, what in the world? But I kind of get it. It's like when everybody's available, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, there's nothing else going on. It kind of makes sense to practice later at night. I guess I would be. They they probably have to work around the basketball teams. Yeah, there's well. that too. But I also would like my. I'm thinking for myself, like I'd be sleepy at that point. But these are college students that we're talking about. Everybody's good at that point at night. Nobody's got any problems. All right, uh, a couple of responses that have come in this morning from uh, Jim. Jim says, Glenn, just read the Lamar ESPN story again. 
I don't think I'm worried about where the Ravens are at this point. I still think there's time, but I feel like it's their way of trying to say, hey, look, if you don't agree to our terms, we're going to trade you. I don't think that's it at all, Jim. I don't. I, I don't. I don't think that the Ravens are using the media to try to make some sort of like threat to Lamar Jackson. If that's what you're alluding to. I don't I don't believe that. I think that ESPN is trying to capitalize on the dominant story of the football offseason and maybe the dominant story of of any football offseason of modern time as far as, you know, a, a player's avail- availability is concerned. Like I I guess there are more famous players that have been available like Aaron Rodgers whenever he's rumored to be available it's a big story because he's Aaron Rodgers but as I keep saying there's this has never happened before it they reference it in the story there's never been an NFL MVP quarterback that has moved teams before the age of 30 this is potentially historic so I don't think this is the Ravens trying to negotiate through the media with Lamar Jackson and specifically choosing to use Jeremy Fowler and Jamison Hensley to do that. I think this is ESPN saying Lamar Jackson gets attention. I mean, I don't watch those shows, but if you're watching those shows, you know they're doing 15-minute chunks of show on the Lamar Jackson situation without there being any news. Nothing changed from yesterday to today, but ESPN is doing entire swaths of show about Lamar Jackson. So I don't know. I don't think that this is some sort of, you know, take it or leave it statement from the Ravens through the media. I I don't think so. I mean, I'm, look, anything's possible. I get it. But I don't think that's the case. I think this started the other way around, which is ESPN sees how much attention Lamar Jackson is getting and says... Let's try to capitalize on that. Uh, Paul and Ovilando, going with the assumption that the Ravens' haul for Lamar will be two to three first-round picks and a few other picks. Oh, this is from Would You Rather Wednesday yesterday. Sorry. My apologies. My apologies. That wasn't from today. That was him responding to yesterday's Would You Rather Wednesday uh, quite late. We uh, we do have a it's got to be on Wednesday rule in order for you to be registered to win the team. That is the rule. It's you got the entire day, but you got to respond on Wednesday in order to be registered to win. So, uh, Paul, yes, yeah, that is relevant, but we have moved on at this point. <laughs> we don't do Would You Rather Thursday. The alliteration just doesn't work. We can't. We can't do Would You Rather Thursday. It makes have we no never sense. done it? I feel like we... Would You Rather Thursday? No. Yeah. No. We even if, even I, like if, by I'm, accident? if I'm not here on a Wednesday, we just push it to the... Gotcha. It's the alliteration. I'm like, come on, man. It doesn't It doesn't exist. make any sense. Why would we we'd have to do something else? Like, throw your... Your your, I don't know what we would do. Think for about Thursday. it Thursday. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that's dumb, but we've done dumber. I can tell you that much. We have done dumber than that. Uh, from Jeff, uh, Jeff says, uh, Glenn, if Lamar is completely unwilling to come off the fully guaranteed, then it really doesn't matter if the Ravens should or shouldn't. We know they're not going to. So what is the holdup at this point? I mean, there's two things that are, I guess, would be the holdup. Jeff, what you're saying is, if the part of the story where they say that every one of Lamar's counteroffers has been fully guaranteed, and we know the Ravens have drawn a line in the sand and have said, come hell or high water, we are not doing fully guaranteed. If that's the case, then your argument is, what are are you waiting for? Just rip the Band-Aid off. 
the holdup would be twofold. The first part of the holdup would be, well, the Ravens might want to run it back out there this season and see if they can win a Super Bowl. That would be the maybe the first part of the holdup would be, even if they know that inevitably there's going to be a parting of the ways, they'd rather have another year of Lamar Jackson before they get to that point. Or the holdup could be that they're still thinking maybe somebody else, whoever it might be, maybe Joe Burrow, somebody. I'd be very surprised if the Bengals did that with Joe Burrow, and Joe Burrow has suggested that he would be willing to take a more team-friendly extension. Jalen Hurts, whoever. The Ravens say, look, let's continue to wait as long as we can. If two other teams do fully guaranteed contracts, then we would change our mind at that point. There are still reasons for there to be a holdup, even if you think that the information that you got today suggests there's a breaking point, right? The information from today would say, this gap can't be bridged. If Lamar Jackson is utterly unwilling to consider anything other than fully guaranteed and the Ravens are completely unwilling to consider fully guaranteed, then what are we doing? And I could see why someone would come up with that opinion. Honestly, I could see where you would read this story and say, this is where we at. We have all the answers. Just get on with it. But it's still not that simple. It, again, this, this is where opinion and fact kind of fall they all get blurred. My opinion is that's wrong. Fact says even, not, not that it's wrong. God, how do I say this the right way? My opinion is that's a mistake. Fact says even if that's true, that this is a, a firm breaking point, there, is still, there are still other scenarios, including, again, a scenario where Lamar Jackson just plays for the Ravens this year. They go try to win a Super Bowl again, and then they make the decision afterwards. Maybe the Ravens don't love the quarterbacks in this year's draft. Again, next year, there's only one Caleb Williams. Not everybody can have him. You can't make your plans around Caleb Williams as badly as you might want to. I, I keep hearing this from people. Well, that you want Caleb Williams. I get it. We all think Caleb Williams is the most pro-ready prospect in the history of football. You know, he's Andrew Luck. He's Trevor Lawrence. He's the guy that's elevated even among other quarterback prospects in recent years. But only one team can get him. And you're not, there's zero world in which John Harbaugh is going to agree to like not try. Imagine walking into John Harbaugh and being like, dude, you guys are on board to not try this year, right? Like, you can, you can go in the locker room and tell those guys to not try, right? Like, they just go out and purposely lose every game. With Lamar Jackson at quarterback in this situation, is that? Either way, but yeah. yes. Particularly with, like, imagine any scenario in which you're banking around the idea being next year in Caleb Williams. It's crazy. But there are scenarios that even if you feel like you've reached a final breaking point, you'd still say, yeah, but we might want to try to run it out there for more one more year. Or you might not like what the trade offers have been so far. And you're just measuring those two things. If somebody was willing to offer you three first-round picks and then, and more, then yeah, you would have decided to go ahead and trade him. But the those offers aren't there yet. And so you say, well, if we can't get that offer yet, let's, let's just play him another year and see what happens. At some point, you can't drag your feet forever. At some point, you have to do something. 
And again, you know what my opinion of that something should is or what it should be. You guys can only say it so many times. It ain't worth this. It's not worth risking not having a quarterback over back-end flexibility in a contract you're almost certainly going to end up paying out anyway. Not worth it. You want to feel like you've won. You don't want to get stink-eyed when you go to the owners' meetings, but it's not worth it to a franchise to go through those things. It's obviously much easier for me to say it's not my money. I'm not the one that's going to get stink-eyed going to the owners' meetings. But that's my opinion, Glenn Clark, my opinion. What they'll do, we're going to keep getting these. Like, this is what we're going to, this is what's going to be. Because I don't know. I don't know. All right. Um, I, I don't know. They got practice at noon, so I don't think we're going to be talk, chatting with Paul Cantabene. I like Stevenson Lacrosse. Go watch him on Saturday night. <laughs> new face-off guy, new goalie. Um, Stevenson Lacrosse. Sounds cool. Catch the action. Yeah. What else there is <laughs> to say? Let's switch up. We'll go ahead and do fighting words now. Fighting words brought to you today by your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. What we got this week, Charles? As I promised uh, when I left on Tuesday, um, I'm keeping the UFC very minimal, um, and I gave you a disclaimer as well. There is some Jake Paul news. Let's go. Oh. All, right, all right, let's get into it. Let's How much am I betting on Jake Paul? No, stop, stop. Where are we going first? Where are we going first? First, we have a recap of uh, Knucklemania that I discussed uh, last week. It was Knucklemania 3. Went down Albuquerque, New Mexico on the BKFC app. Um, it's their like anticipated event on their calendar. Um, and their light heavyweight champion, Lorenzo Hunt, uh, he really like pulled it out of the fire versus uh, the interim champ, Mike uh, Richmond, um, and I have video. He literally got knocked out, got up, and then knocked his opponent out within all within ten seconds. All right, I'll look. I don't care, but I'll look. I mean, like, I don't love the idea of someone being knocked. This out. This only happens this is... with bare knuckles. It's yeah. All right, all right, it, all right. This I'll, is like what, I'll... like Frank Mir? This happened to Frank Mir, didn't it? All right, go back, go back. Let me see this one more time. All right, so. All right, he gets, so he gets dropped. Caught. He gets dropped. Now he doesn't look like he's out. Out. It looked like he kept his head up. It looked like, you know, he's definitely down. Well, he he okay. certainly knocks his opponent out. And then they give you a chance to stand up. Mm-hmm. Got you get it. a ten okay, count. Got in it. BKFC. Got it. Yep. All right. Interesting. Yeah, Interesting. He's, he's able to defend himself, right? And so, oh yeah, and then he pretty quickly drops. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that's um, that's about as you described it. I mean, it's pretty close. <laughs> I, I I don't know. Bare knuckle boxing doesn't. Looks like very just none of it does anything. How big is that ring? Um, it's not a very big ring. It's smaller than the. It's even smaller than the apex octagon. It's Mm. circular, so they're trying to do some little different. Trying to force the action. Mm -hmm. I hate doing this, but why should I care? Um, really, it wasn't really the the storyline of that. People really didn't tune in for the championship fight. They wanted to see uh. Former All-Star defensive lineman uh, Greg Hardy (sighs) in his debut, and he earned a flash KO defeat. Ah, I, I have do a video like that. of that. But I do like that. That part, now you got something I can get behind. Yeah, he kind of no. got knocked out just like the guy I showed you guys. He got taunted as well. 
right. Okay. I'm, I'm, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm behind that. I am behind that. Who This dude, by the way, the dude that knocked him out just looks like everybody that I think would be yeah. a bare knuckle boxer, mm-hmm. by the way, for the record. Like yeah, that looks dude. Like those KSW absolutely fighters that looks have like the fake tattoos 1, on their back. 1,000% look like the guy that you think would be a bare knuckle boxer. All right. Um, well, so that, that was, you've sold me on something. That there. was a recap of the <laughs> event that, the, the I guess, other than the UFC event that happened this past weekend, there was that as well. Um, for my current headline, I wanted to kind of go into some that's on kind of the lighter side um, and something that's been discussed before, but Kevin James went on Chris Weidman's podcast. I heard about To this. discuss a moment uh, he had in a par- sparring session with UFC bantamweight uh, Marab Davalishvili. So was this when he was train like when he was getting ready for that movie that he did? So I couldn't necessarily get dates because he hasn't put dates um, right. out in the store. Like he hasn't mentioned any dates in his stories. Um, but Marab is a more recent uh, fighter. Okay. So and I think Very that movie good, came yeah. out in like the the aughts or teens. Okay. Of two thousand. Um, so he said on his podcast, um, I tag I tagged in and I go to him and Marab comes at me. Uh, hey man, let's go. Uh, Kevin proceeds to say, "I guess I look like a big fat heavyweight or something. I didn't know what it was, but this guy turns it on me, and he doesn't know I'm an actor. He's the only guy that I didn't know that." Uh, Marab fought Kevin James. So that it was a sparring session. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> he he like he like told him to come at me. So uh, basically, it was one of those things where there was confusion because. He thought Kevin, Kevin just thought everyone knows I'm an actor. Right. Marab, like Chris Weidman mentioned in the video, Marab's from Georgia and not, he, not yeah, like yeah. the state of Georgia. He's from, from the, the country Eastern of European Georgia. European country yeah. Georgia. Yes. And he made the joke, King of Queens is not big in Georgia. Right. So, <laughs> so he just didn't know who you were. Looks yeah. at you, you're this big dude. He just assumes that you're a fighter and let's go. He just <laughs> he goes after you at that point. Yeah. I guess the story, by the way, and I am reading a little bit now. I guess the story is apparently even after he did that, which by the way, is one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my life. What movie was it? Here comes the boom is what it was called. It was called Here Comes the Boom, and it was dumb on it. It was dumb on so many levels. I don't even know how to begin to count all the levels that it was dumb on. Um, It it was about what you would expect from a Kevin James movie at the time. Add in the fact that somehow it was a Kevin James mixed martial arts movie that was also about. Like Neil Diamond. Yeah, I just look at it as like a Happy Madison classic. It, it right. was it, it not a classic. Yeah. Well, I, just like the quintessential I, Happy Madison Productions film. Yeah, okay, and that's why Henry Winkler was in it because they mm-hmm. just kept putting Henry Winkler in movies. Um, I've watched a lot of bad movies in my life. This at, does stand out among them as being particularly offensive to the senses. Like it was atrocious. This film and and the bummer is Joe Rogan's calling the fights and stuff. Oh, I think the they movie? were very heavy in with the UFC. At the yeah, time. he's I, wearing like the UFC gloves. I, I guess Joe. I, I guess that Kevin James apparently stayed like he kept training after. Like he's just a big fight fan, mm-hmm. so okay. he kept doing it afterwards. Like you don't look at Kevin James and think to yourself that guy's a fighter, but right. like I guess it was just something that he was interested in, um, and that's fine. Like I'm not none of it's a problem. I just it was infuriating how bad the film was. I wish I could tell you the circumstances by which. I had to watch the movie, but it would be another story that would take us an hour and a half for me to be able to explain. I'll I'll give you the I had to watch the movie. I had to watch the movie. Well, I had no choice. I had I do want to know to watch the film. I'm gonna have to save it for another <laughs> okay. day because it's just too much right now. Um, Should we do a Here Comes the Boom review? 
No. Okay. No. Never. <laughs> Come on. Never. I'll watch, watch it tonight. You don't hate yourself enough for this. This movie looks interesting. It's not. <laughs> it's not that. It's the opposite of interesting. Kevin James is a UFC there fighter. There's nothing this is, interesting about this. This is film. compelling. Here comes the boom. It's horrible. <laughs> I mean, it's truly awful. Um, and uh, it's a shame because there's a truly great mixed martial arts film called Warrior. Oh, yes. That if you've never seen. This is a good movie. It is mm. iconically great. I mean, it is one of the best pictures that I saw in the 21st century. If you've never seen Warrior, there is one particular scene in a casino that's one of the most beautiful scenes I've ever seen in a motion picture. Go watch that movie. Never, ever, ever watch Here Comes the Boom. Warrior is a very good one. God, it's all Love Warrior. All right. And then number three. Yeah, so just to kind of conclude that storyline, uh, Marab is uh, someone you shouldn't play with, a fight win streak. Um, okay. Beat Hall of Famer Jose Aldo in his last fight, made him retire. So, so yeah, probably going to yeah. whoop Kevin James' ass. <laughs> yeah, Stay away from the way that will go. Marab. Yeah. Uh, so a preview for this cup upcoming weekend, uh, ESPN top rank, we'll have jo- uh, Jake Paul and Tommy Fury. Um, it's kind of the, the pinnacle of the celebrity crossover boxing craze craze that's happened um and it's gonna be an eight round main event um it's in the early afternoon uh sunday 2 p.m because it's in uh right. daria saudi arabia yep. and it'll be on espn plus pay-per-view um oh, catch weight of if, 185 pounds if you pounds. spend american dollars oh, yeah, well, i'm gonna make it all back i will be Jake pirating Ball. and you, i have no problem saying sh- that you should there. you should be sent to prison we should get corporal right back in here to arrest you for the decision making because if you're willing to do that, God knows what else you're willing to do with your life. Unthinkable, unconscionable that a human being would spend dollars on this. Jake Paul is a, I think he's a, he's turning into a legitimate boxer. I think he's he's so got I'm real not, skills now. I'm so this, just shut up. This is where this storyline is going. Um, the bout has been scheduled and announced and canceled multiple times in the past years. Uh, Paul's coming in as a minus one ninety five favorite, and uh, Fury is a plus one sixty five underdog. Uh, total rounds completed is at six and a half. Um, and the WBC announced that Jake Paul will be put in, will have a place in their world rankings at cruiserweight if he beats Tommy Fury. Surprising move for the YouTuber turned prize fighter, um, who has only beaten other influencers, basketball players, and MMA fighters. Former boxer Gary Logan um, had a plethora of Nasty comments about uh, Jake Paul's uh, ability. Um, he tried to keep Not it watching. respectful, but a lot of things that Glenn is probably about to say, he said as well, in quote. Things yeah, like, uh, yeah, go ahead. Uh, it doesn't matter who you fight. If we choose, we'll rank you. That's what B- WBC is projecting mm, yep. about this. It's just a debacle. Nothing about it makes any sense. How does he get a world ranking when he's not boxed anyone near the world ranking as a cruiserweight? Tommy Fury isn't even a cruiserweight. Um, it's just a joke. It shows you the power of YouTube, which is a very, very scary thing because people are just not being realistic about these fighters. Now, look, I've said it a long time ago. I, I brought this up on the, our pro wrestling podcast on jobbing out. In culture, we've gone from there being a there is no good, there is no bad. There's just famous. That's all there is. And I don't know exactly when it happened, but it used to be that we could delineate. Now, I, and I'm I'm trying to be not be disrespectful to people that I like, but someone I know was posing for a picture with O.J. Simpson on social media this weekend. Because there is, there is no good, there is no bad, there's just famous. That's it. Is it bad that like every time his name's brought up now, O.J. Mahomes just... Uh, it's more... It's sensationalism. And I'm not trying to compare, <laughs> to be very clear, I'm not saying Jake Paul 
is O.J. Simpson. I'm yeah. going to be abundantly clear about that. But this is what we do. If if famous comes along with it, we no longer care. This is the old argument. I think I think Chris Rock made the joke about how many records Creed sold. Once upon a time, the Grammy said, boy, our ratings aren't great. And so they decided we need to change our process so that more popular music ends up being nominated for awards. The hell if whether it's good or bad. We just need ratings. By the way, not working. The ratings continue to tank. It's a shame. For the most part, I still think the Grammys are a pretty entertaining show, for better or for worse. But this is the same thing. It's giving in. Look, UFC did this a long time ago. It's when my interest started to wane in UFC. Where there is no business for CM Punk to have been fight. He was in no ways a legitimate mixed martial arts fighter. In zero ways. He did not deserve it. But they sold out. They said, we don't care any longer. We just don't care. We're going to make money. The hell with it. It would be akin to the Baltimore Ravens saying, eh, we're going to let Jake Paul line up as a tight end next season. Well, does he deserve to be there? No. But we're just going to do it anyway. It's, it's embarrassing, and we should all be embarrassed by it, but we've lost all ability for, to feel shame we have sold out good and bad in the name of famous. All that matters is famous because famous comes with a bigger piece of the pie. I still think there has to be a lot of credit given to the people that do that. Because if Jake Why? Paul were to line up at tight end, who is not going to watch that? If he was to line up at tight end for an NFL team, who is not going to watch? I, it would make me suddenly no longer care the same way about. I would. Football. I would say he gets some credit because even the world with the worldwide leader of sports, ESPN, they wouldn't touch him two years ago. He could yeah, only get yeah. the zone and like it, Showtime to that, get it, him the giving him credit versus saying it should be embarrassing for it should be embarrassing for all of us. But all of these companies are going back and having to report to somebody and saying we think you're leaving money on the table because society has determined. Good and bad isn't relevant. All that matters is whether or not somebody is a draw. And that's embarrassing. And as a society, we should be embarrassed. It's not Jake Paul's fault, specifically. It's no disrespect, yours and yours. And I'm not, yeah. I'm not trying to be the old man that yells at the cloud, but there should be an amount of shame for the fact that you're excited about this. This stinks. This is not boxing. Stop pretending it's boxing. It ain't. It's a, as much boxing as it would be if Griffin and I went into the next room and decided that we were going to bang it out. And by the way, I get that it. Some Jake Paul is probably better at boxing than I am. I do understand that. But he is in no ways deserving of any of this. It, everyone should be embarrassed, but we've lost the ability to feel embarrassment about it because we've just decided we're willing to sell our soul for fame. Because what comes along with fame is feeling like a piece of getting a piece of the action. There are plenty of good fights. Go watch a fight. Go watch someone who's rising, who's fighting competent, relevant fighters and trying to break their way through if you care about a sport. You don't care about the sport. You just care about feeling a piece of fame. That's what this is. And I wish, I wish we were capable at some point in society of understanding the difference between good and bad. I wish, I desperately wish we could understand that. I'm telling you, me personally, the moment CM Punk got opportunities in UFC... It changed my ability. I was a die-hard fight fan. I would watch every pay-per-view. I went in the infancy. I was at, you know, uh, Rampage Liddell. I was at big fights in Vegas. I loved it. 
Selling out in the name of fame changed my opinion. And I'm telling you right now, Griffin, it would change me. The moment that NFL... You know, you could argue the Jaguars attempted something like this with Tim Tebow, right? Now, at least there was something warranted about that. And he didn't even make the roster. So, like, no harm, no foul. Hell, once upon a time, the Vikings gave a tryout to Brock Lesnar. That's a true story. Like, he was on a training camp roster with, I think, two different teams. Now, he never made the team, but he was given the opportunity to try out. And teams have tried other things. They've tried bringing in... Rugby Large, players. You know, ba- yeah, what a, so like, basketball players regularly. I assume like the people going over to baseball to do the spring, the training camps. You don't typically mind that, like, uh, like, mind. like, like Russell Wilson. Um, well, Russell Wilson was a hell of a baseball player. Yeah. Like Russell Wilson earned the opportunity to try to make a. You know, again, he was never going to play baseball, but his baseball career suggested that he belonged yeah. in doing spring training. But these teams do it for the. Yes, they might the, be doing it for the, the attention, the, the stunt, but there's yeah. a big difference. The stunt was when they let Garth Brooks do it, and that did happen too. I believe two different teams allowed Garth Brooks to play spring training baseball. That's a stunt. That's embarrassing. The, the Will Ferrell thing? Uh, yeah, but Will Ferrell was only like a, a batter, so he wasn't actually right. in I mean, camp. I'm telling you, go back uh, and look. He was like, Garth Brooks gotcha. participated in spring training with two different Major League Baseball teams Taking up in batting two practice separate reps years. And... Not just batting practice reps. He played in games. That's embarrassing. That's a stunt. But again, it was in spring training. It wasn't in a real game. You know, like it, it just showed me how much we shouldn't care about spring training, right? Like it did make me realize stop paying attention. How to do we feel training. about Master P? Um, now he what would now what did he actually do? He was he, in the NBA for a little bit. But he didn't play the in the Raptors, NBA. He didn't play in an NBA game. Like exhibition. Yes, he played like he was on the roster, but he never played. He was never on an active roster for an NBA team. All of it is a joke. All of it, and I'm, it's irreparable for me because the UFC put CM Punk in real fights on real pay-per-views. That was irreparable for me. I could never get over that. Their ability to say, we will trade legitimate sport for sideshow was a reminder of, now i got to question everything you do. Now i got to question whether or not the fights are legitimate. The moment you say, we will trade our reputation for Sideshow, I have to question everything about who you are as a company. And I'm not telling you that I think that UFC fights are fixed, but I'm telling you the moment that you make it clear that we don't care how legitimate something is, that question deserves to creep into the conversation. Does ESPN showing this kind of behavior show that it's like too far gone at this point? Because yeah, I mean, like I, I mentioned, I, they are supposed to be the worldwide leaders. But I gave sports, up on so. I gave up on ESPN some time ago. I mean, like I don't know what to make of that. Like I accept that the sports they're now putting his product on pay per view and putting him in an organization that they promote in the PFL. I I, I understand. Like they want to get in that on that money. I it's a this is a very weird question to ask. I. ESPN became an entertainment company some time ago, right? And you know that, but it's why I don't watch these ESPN shows, because they'll just say anything for the sake of getting attention. I don't translate that to when ESPN shows a Monday Night Football game, I think there's a question about whether or not the Monday Night Football game is on the up and up, right? Like, there's not a trans, there's no translation between because ESPN will put somebody on their programming that will just say anything nonsensical to try to get view. I don't translate that to. Yes, but that means Monday Night Football's rigged. You know, like I don't. There is no parallel between those two things. One, 
ESPN getting in bed with Jake Paul is embarrassing. There's no way around it, but it ends there for me, right? Like, I don't take that to now whatever. Now they're college basketball coverage. Correct. Like, whatever there, else. there's no. Soccer. It, it dies with that. Like, their, their, their talk shows are embarrassing. This is embarrassing, but it doesn't impact whether or not. You know, the co- to your point, the college basketball game they showed tonight, or the NBA game that they show on Friday, I think is somehow impacted by that. I think it's, it, but that, but it, to be clear, those that I don't, I only go to ESPN now. The only reason I watch ESPN is because they're airing a game or they're airing a documentary. Those are the only things that I will watch on ESPN. That's it. The list of things: game, documentary, maybe Van Pelt, right? Maybe, and even that, it would only come because he was on after a game. I would never go find – I did try for a little while because I really do like Van Pelt's show. Yeah. But admittedly, at some point, I just gave up. Like, I, it was only going to happen if I was watching a game. And then he was he on. He was on afterwards. Wasn't going to go out of my way to turn it off. Right. Yeah. I would stay on on Van Pelt after the game was over. Like, I would do that. But short of that, there's nothing else that I'm going to watch on ESPN because they they sold their souls. Like, they decided they wanted attention. They wanted more market share. They wanted – social media they wanted all of those things and they started putting characters on to just say stupid things unrelated to fact they let's put mad dog russo on to just uh, talk yeah, out of his ass yeah but he wasn't by the way not even the worst not even in the top 10 like anybody that they put on they decided to sell, sell their soul to skip bayless before fox got the same opportunity to do no, it. a prime example of them is putting someone like pat bev on the desk who is probably not even the 200th best well, yeah, NBA player I, in the I, league. Th- I don't know about that. Giving him the platform to kind of I, 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 that, that speak that big for big. the NBA's Pat gospel. Beverly is still a legitimate NBA player. Like He's still more qualified. He's not desk qualified. I, I disagree with and that. And they did it. Unfortunately, to, part of that is that you can't get the same athletes to do those jobs any longer because they make too much money and you can't pay the same. Like Once upon a time, you could get legitimate Hall of Fame caliber athletes to take those jobs. Now those athletes have made so much money in their playing career that it's not worth it to them. Like you can't. Unless they really love it, right? Correct. Unless they're so desperate to do it, you can't go to. I'm trying to think of insert name here. You can't go to who's a Kevin. But there's a difference between getting like a point guard who will give you valuable basketball insight, like say Mike Conley. Trash Pat Beverly. Like this really is what this feels like. Not not, well. I just saw earlier today, like the because he made a comment about how he's going to crush the Lakers the playoff yeah, it, chances I, and it's like I, dude I, you're going to be on Chicago that's, that's a different yeah. thing than what I'm talking about right like yes it's he's an athlete though there's reason for him to have a platform he is a legitimate current NBA performer I'm saying they go to they they orchestrate behind the scenes fake things to try to get attention they orchestrate fake opinions. Hey, today, we want you to go in and say this, and then the other person has to say this. They, that's not legitimate. Pat Beverly is a legitimate athlete who, whether you like him or not, whatever he says is relevant because he's legitimately an athlete. There is news value to something a legitimate athlete says. There is no legitimacy to Skip Bayless wanting to get Instagram famous or whatever once upon a time and saying, I'll just say anything and talk out of my ass and make things up. That's carnival barking. The other thing is not carnival barking. This, what they're doing on Sunday, is carnival barking. That's what this is. This is sideshow. This is, you can tell me all you want about it. Uh, Jake Paul's gotten, he's, he's a pretty decent boxer. No. 
He's a decent boxer in comparison to you. He's not a decent boxer in comparison to a boxer. He's a way better boxer than me. That's what I'm saying. He's better than you. He's not as good as an actual boxer. You've convinced yourself of that because you've watched him enough that you're like, dude, I don't know. He kind of looks the part. Find out. Just because he's not really. This isn't a real boxer either. He's the brother of a real boxer. You're convincing yourself because he's the brother of a real boxer. That means he's a real boxer too. He ain't. Stop. Stop. Yeah, his combined opponent's record I mean, is something like astronomically you're terrible. You're desperately wanting it to be something because you've decided you're on board with Jake Paul. You've sold your soul to I'm good with it. He's famous. So you're desperately trying to make excuses and say, yeah, but you know, I don't know. This is this is Tom, this is Tommy or Tommy yeah, Fury. I mean, That's not a thing. This is this is how There's, a lot of boxers do it though. They got to start the career very slow. They got to build up a record, and I mean, yes, but they do it fighting other legitimate boxers. I mean, they're very low level boxers, but That's, yeah, I, they're I, legitimate I, 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 fighters. I, still, I, I understand your point, and I think I somewhat disagree. But with like, what? Tell me which part you disagree with. That I don't think it's I don't think it's uh, I don't think it's crazy embarrassing because Jake Paul has built up you know a some level of legitimacy at this what point. level of legitimacy do you think Jake Paul keeps, has because he keeps boxing he continues to box he keeps bo- boxing he Glenn has a point because like if Muhammad Ali his like fifth boxing fight fought I don't know Jim Brown and then his tenth boxing fight fought I don't know Kareem yes. everybody would be like what in the world like, no one what? would say what? this is a legitimate like thing in any world you're trying to make it legitimate because you like jake paul there's in a boxing sense there's nothing legitimate about this nothing at all and it's the secondary part of it which is for f's sake you know how fixed this is that's the other part that nobody wants to talk about my god they did a thing with floyd mayweather and pretended like there was some world where floyd mayweather wanted to try he wouldn't just end the guy's life Stop. Stop. We're not this stupid. It's orchestrated. It's fake. It's for attention. And you're giving him exactly what they want. Sure. Especially like, given I, if they're going to put him in the world cruiserweight rankings if he wins. No mention I mean, of Tommy, if Tommy Fury wins. Right. And they I mean, have about the same so, boxing resume. By the way, so. I, I, I did, it was Logan Paul that Floyd Mayweather right. fought. It yes. wasn't Jake Paul that Floyd Mayweather fought. But all of it, all of it is fake. Floyd Mayweather, if he wanted to, would have ended Logan Paul's life in that moment. And I'm not even a Floyd Mayweather guy. I think he's detestable in a lot of ways. But Floyd Mayweather would have, like in a real fight, in a real go-out-and-inflict-punishment fight, right. you would die. Well, I'm not comparing. Th- that's different. That was a different thing but than that, what Jake Paul If doing. you're willing to do that, what else are you willing to do? Right. Yeah. This is the problem. I have... If you're able to get Floyd Mayweather on board and his business model, do you know how easy it would be to say to Tommy Fury, hey, dude, don't really try? You could get Floyd Mayweather to do it. You can get Tommy Fury to do it. It would it would be amazing somehow if he wasn't doing that. My God. The most simplistic conversation of all time. We got a brand here that's uh, got a lot of money involved, so... Uh... Then I guess so. Oh, we're, we're pretty lucky. It's minus one eighty then on Jake. Paul. Uh, yeah, I'm almost line. certain Jake Paul's gonna win because it's even worse for him to lose to Tommy Fury than any of the other MMA guys. Arguably, 
arguably worse. Anyway, yeah. well, talk, speaking of good fighting, the UFC fight night this <laughs> weekend is actually you know somewhat somewhat uh, respectable. They've had some boring cards, but now they're, they're they got, it's not speaking your of your young fighters. It's not your segment. <laughs> it's not your segment, my guy. Anyway, uh, I'm segment. intrigued by you're Jake Paul. That's the that's because you like fame. You like that. That's what you're into. Does that mean be different than I guess I don't know the rest of the population? No, the young this your generation is obsessed with fame. Well, the intrigue continues. He said. Uh, when he beats Tommy Fury, the next uh, bout he will venture is Nate Diaz. So the intrigue will continue. And I will have to uh, pay attention to that. Yep. Oh, a lot of people will so probably pay-per-view that one. so embarrassing. There's a Bellator fight this weekend, correct? We figured that uh, out. I'm yes. pretty sure there's a Bellator fight this yeah, weekend. Yeah, but I just, I'd have it's to not, check It's not out. significant. I did see that. Yeah, it wasn't, I it can't wasn't remember who the main event I, is. I, I mean, it, it might be significant in the fighting world. I don't it's know. It's a Grill Pre... Uh, World Grand Prix Championship, um, Amosov, uh, Storley 2 in Dublin, um, and yeah. Okay. Storley's from uh, Ireland. Uh, Peter Queeley, he headlined the last Ireland card. He's on the fight as well, on the card as well. Um, yeah. ESPN has a lot of the profile images blacked out, so that's how they feel about it. Okay. Um, but yeah. Yarsov yeah. Amosov's undefeated. He's the one fighting Storley. Storley's fourteen and one. Amosov twenty six and zero. So, very high level fight. Um, they just don't really have the okay. name acumen that I felt. To well, bring I, by it the to way, you. that's far more legitimate than than Jake Paul. And what's the UFC fight? What do you care about? Oh, it's a Krylov and Span, and then you got Andre Muniz and Brendan Allen. Those guys are both. These are, when we're talking about up and up fighters, there you this go. Is, this is better. All this, right. this part I, is better. Span's I, a fun watch for sure. Oh that. yeah. Span either knocks out or gets knocked out. Yeah, as irrepar- and that's what Krylov does. <laughs> as irreparable as the damage was that UFC did to me as a fan via CM Punk, this is definitely more legitimate than anything that's going to happen on Sunday. There is no question about that. Although when I find out somehow... But the fact that you know, more, more people are going to care about what happens Sunday. That doesn't make mm-hmm. it legitimate. <laughs> like okay. That doesn't suddenly okay. mean that it's legitimate. I, I don't know what to tell you. I, th- yeah. there's this, I, that's a dangerous thing that people have convinced themselves of, that if more people watch it, that translates to legitimacy. And by the way, it's permeated to literally the highest level of our country. Like, we have done this bit, and it's wretched. It's awful. It's, I wish somebody could step in and do something about it. We're not. This is the idiocracy. Go watch it. Is idiocracy on your list? Have you seen idiocracy? Oh, I have seen that. Oh, I, it was a long time ago, though. But I, Maybe watch it again. That's like, another Luke Wilson. This is, this is, yes, it is Luke Wilson. Terry Crews, among others. Like, this... this this is what happens when we stop thinking there's a good and a bad and we just settle for fame or we just settle for what's easiest. Like, instead of actually having conversations about whether something is real or not. Like, we live in idiocracy sometimes. We're going to go pour Brondo on our plants because Brondo has what plants craves. It well, has I'm not going to do that. I don't, know what the, I don't know how quickly the slope goes, Griffin. I From watching know. Jake Paul. I got to be honest with you. I don't know how quickly. To, I, to I wore my plans with Gatorade. Anybody I, who wants to buy would, a pay-per-view. By the way, the other thing, too, is I would have more understanding of like saying, look, man, I know this is S. I'm going to watch it anyway because it's entertaining to me and I got nothing else better to do. Like I could listen to that if it was the understanting of I know it's embarrassing. Perfect timing. Terps game ends at 2. I know it's then. embarrassing because then you can turn into tune into 105.7 The Fan and listen to Glenn and Rita. Um, but no, like if, if people just said to me, and when people do say, look, man, I, I, for example, I've got guilty pleasures. I watch the Jersey Shore. Should I buy this now? Just hit the buy now. God, I, I hate you so much. I watch the Jersey Shore. It's embarrassing. I know that, and I acknowledge it. I don't think 
that it's quality entertainment or try to suggest to anyone that it should be award-winning in any capacity. I like Drek sometimes. We all can enjoy Drek, but we have to be willing to acknowledge that what we're enjoying is Drek. Just say it out loud, and then we can have a real conversation. When you attempt to sell the idea that it's something besides that, <sighs> you go to a different place. All right, now I've yelled at the clouds. I get it. It just gets harder to make the point you're trying to make when on the opposite side there are places like ESPN saying, well, so maybe it's not Drek. It's, it's, no, it's Drek. <laughs> it's embarrassing. All right, very good. Thank you. Appreciate Can't it. Can't wait for the Jake Paul breakdown next oh, week. No, I hate everything about this. All right, Fighting Words was also brought to you today by the print issue of Press Box, which is available right now at your neighborhood Royal Farms and at the hundreds of locations around town where you find Press Box. Read it all, PressBoxOnline.com. Gunnar Henderson there on the cover. Let's get a tidbit. Tidbit is brought to you by PressBoxOnline.com slash offers. You've signed up for something, but you haven't signed up for everything. Let's just say you wanted to put $5 on Jake Paul. Good bet, sounds because, like, if it's rigged. Yes, if it's rigged, it would be a very good bet. You only get it minus 180? Is this one of those ones that can't, um, like, there's no decision at the end? Uh, No, this is like this is legit. Like, it'll go to... No, no, it's not legit. It's, it's Use a different rank. word. It's top rank. It's, it's eight rounds, so it's but, not like well, a full someone, title. Someone will win someone the fight win. no matter yes. what? I think the odds are where it's at right now is because um, Jake has gotten a lot of these knockouts late in the round, and mm-hmm. I think they're... they're a lot of betters are betting that because Paul, I mean, Tommy Fury is somewhat of a boxer, he will be able to stave those shots later in the fight and it will go to a decision where then it goes into strikes. Who's throwing more strikes? Who's throwing they're not gonna more let, damage? They're not going to let Jake Paul yeah, lose a decision. Let me, let me make that abundantly clear. If it goes to a decision, Jake, the only way that he loses the fight is if somehow Tommy Fury was not on board with any of this and just is able to knock him out. But there's no world in which Jake Paul is losing the fight on a decision. That ain't in Saudi Arabia. (laughs) Get the entire F out of here with that. You want to make that bet? Make it. Make it for $5. Win whatever you'd win at that point. $2 on a a Jake Paul or something like like that. Like eight. You you get your your bet back. Plus two bucks. Something like that, right? Like that's about what you get. But you'd also pocket $200 in free bets if you bet it through DraftKings and you sign up for the first time. So go do that right now. Again, uh, go to pressboxonline.com slash offers. Click on the link through DraftKings and go about doing it that way. What do you got for tidbits? Uh, all right, so the uh, Orioles' uh, third, uh, all t- third t- all-time leader in saves is down at tra- uh, spring training right now, uh, You know, just speaking to the team, hanging around. Uh, do you know who that is, who that third might be? Third all-time leader in saves? Yes, the Orioles' all-time is third. So I'm going to guess that the top two are Greg Olson and Zach Britton. That is 100% correct. So the third would be Tippy Martinez? That he is fourth. Tippy Martinez I'm is sitting fourth. back on this one. Is Chris Ray third in saves? It is not Chris Ray. Jim Johnson? It is Jim Johnson. Okay. He's hanging, down at, hanging around at uh, spring Johnson. training. I did cool. find the three teams Garth Brooks played for. Oh, yes? Yeah. The Mets were one of them. The Padres, I want to say, were one of them. Was the third the Royals? Yep. It's so embarrassing that I know that. That That's almost as embarrassing as Jake Paul. It's, it's minus so embarrassing. Draft Jake Paul, by the way. Four oh, years go. after the Mets, too. The Royals were just like, uh, and, and that looked I, bad. I, why not? I, I want to say he was something like 47 when he did that. Like I want to say it was – also, by the way, it was, there was a charity component involved with him. Like Somehow he was doing it to raise money for charity. I don't think he got – like. Every day playing time or something like that, but he definitely got actual at bats. It's the only way you could excuse it. Ugh. Like the organization has to say, yeah, it's for charity. Like, 
So the only way kind of somewhat passes is like, I was gonna, right, we see what you're doing here. I was also going to do the inverse of what I did yesterday with uh, the Rugnet Odor, where he hit 30 homers and had the lowest OPS uh, in a season. And I wanted to see if you could name, I guess, as many as the, you know, the guys in the bottom 10 uh, of the last, since 2010, how many of these guys you could name. 30 home runs in a season, lowest OPS. So Odor actually has the first and the third worst seasons. Send back on this one as well. Couldn't tell you what OPS is. Uh, well, OP- OPS is uh, batting average on and on base. base percentage combined. On base and slugging. On base and slugging. Sorry, that's what I meant. My bad. My God. Yes, on base and slugging combined. So your slugging percentage, if you're hitting 30 home runs, so it's basically you had to never get yeah, on base. Yeah, to have a low on which base. Which for percentage. a 30 home run hitter, it seems almost impossible that you wouldn't uh, like. This is the, there a gag that like Kyle Schwarber would do that for what? The, for the Cubs, not get on base. Well, yeah. he struck out a lot. He, he definitely did, right. did that. Yeah. I mean, he was um, not many home runs. Not on this list, though. Okay. Um, Chris Davis. Uh, Chris Davis is outside of this. Uh, yeah, bottom I mean, 10. the problem is he just he walked too much. Mm-hmm. Like that's the issue. Uh, um, there are a couple former Orioles though. A couple on this former list. Orioles. They mm-hmm. did it when they were or- Tony, not when they were Tony Orioles. Batista. Uh, Tony Batista, he I uh, went back. It's since I did since 2010, but Tony Batista was on the list. If since I'd 2010, gone like oh. all time. Mark Reynolds. Mark Reynolds in 2013, or excuse me, no, darn, that was somebody else. <laughs> Mark Reynolds in 20 uh 2010, a different Mark in 2013. He was in Baltimore by 2013. Mm-hmm. He was in Baltimore by 2011, 11? I believe. Yeah. But yes, 2010. Mark Reynolds, another former Oriole. Who give you a hint? There's another Mark on yeah. there. Yeah. Oh, and another Mark. Since 2010? Yeah. All I can think is, I don't know, Big Poppy? David? No, not, not David Since 2010, a Mark. God, why he is, is a former Oriole. A former Oriole named Mark. Yeah. Didn't do 20- it with the Orioles. Didn't do it with the Orioles. Before he was an Oriole. Before he was an Oriole. God, there are a lot of elements to this. I think that's the reason why I'm struggling with it. <laughs> it's because, like, somebody's screaming at there, like, what is wrong with you right now? And I'm, I think there's just too many elements. He was an it. angel before. Uh, an angel. Coming over to the Orioles. Mark. <laughs> he was to replace uh, Nelson Cruz, I guess, technically. <laughs> Why do I not remember this person? Hang on a second. Oh, Mark Trumbo. Mark Trumbo, yes. God, in 2013. Uh, that 747 is bad. OPS. That was my brain. Mark Rollins had a 753 OPS. All right, just, it's 1228. All right, uh, this guy, uh, one of the, he did this last year. William Adamas had a 756 okay. OPS, hitting 30 home runs. Well, I thought you were going to still make me guess somehow, but just give me some hints. There were three more in 2021, um, two Rangers, actually, and uh, and a Cincinnati Red in 2021. You're asking a member who played for these teams when, and that's They are currently Rangers. Two current Rangers that are yes. on the list. I'm guessing. Oh, no, he wasn't a Ranger. I'm okay. I think of his brother. <laughs> I, I did a poor job with Wait this. Wait a list. second. A brother on the Rangers. God damn, man. Why <laughs> am I struggling so much with this? Someone, okay, is are they a current Ranger? Uh, his brother is. His brother is a current Ranger. Jesus. Uh, current Ranger. Hang on a second. Current. It's, um. Brother's a current Ranger. Oh, uh, uh, Seager. Yes, Kyle, Kyle Seager, Seager with the yeah. Mariners in 2021. Yeah, I forgot. That 30 home runs, 723 yeah. OPS. And there's another another Ranger who is, is a current. Yeah, he was a Ranger. rookie in 21. He's a rookie in 21. 
I don't know. An outfielder, Adolis Garcia. Oh, okay. And then uh, Eugenio Suarez in 2021 uh, as well. Suarez hit like 50 home runs. He hit, where's his home run total? Jeez. I thought oh, he 30. Had... He only hit 31 right, in uh, 2021. Right. Uh, and then uh, Randall Gurchick in 2019 is on this list, Gr- along with Giancarlo Stanton to round this out last season. Stanton. He's actually, uh, yeah, he's actually a pretty good baseball player, yeah. too. That's 759 OPS right. last year. Hey, gambling can be fun, but you should set a limit and stay within it. Remember that if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 for free free confidential services or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. Here's what's coming up, totally tubular-wise, tonight. Towson, College of Charleston, big showdown game before the CAA tournament, 7 o'clock on CBS Sports Network on TV if you want to watch Towson tonight. CIAA tournament continues today. Some uh, quarterfinals as well as they are starting to move towards championship weekend at the CIAA. Uh, PLL championship series continues tonight on ESPN Plus as well. Whipsnakes, Archers, 630. Chrome Atlas at 830. Big Ten hoops tonight. Northwestern Illinois at 9 on Big Ten Network. Relevant for Maryland trying to figure out their seating for the Big Ten tournament. Fox Sports 1, Penn State, Ohio State at 6.30. The rest of the college basketball find at glennclarkradio.com. Uh, Capitals host the Ducks tonight at 7 on NBC Sports Washington. ESPN for Flames, Golden Knights at 9. TNT, the NBA is back tonight. Grizzlies, 76ers at 7.30. Warriors, Lakers at 10, which they probably felt very good about being their matchup for the first night back from the All-Star break. But, uh, eh. No stuff. Yeah. Is like. Is LeBron good? Uh, who knows? I mean, do we? I mean, do we know if he's playing? Like, is he? We find out. I don't, I don't know. Like they, that, the, I can't remember seems seems like exactly like what the record LeBron. has to be. It seems like LeBron would play. Well, I, I just I, I didn't pay attention after he got hurt in the All Star game. I just don't know. Anyway, that's tonight at uh, in TNT. They have to go some like fourteen and nine to get into that contention for play in. Mm, who knows? LeBron is probable. He's probable. We'll All right, very good. Golf Channel for round one of the Honda Classic at two. Uh, they're doing Thursday night XFL for some reason. Let's go. They're doing Thursday night XFL. Everybody hates Thursday night football. So the XFL said, we'll how, take about, it. how about if we made it worse? Except Tonight. there's argument that it might be better. No, it's not. The St. Louis Battle Hawks and the Seattle Sea Dragons. Tonight at 9 o'clock. Go Dragons. Access TV for Impact Wrestling at 8. Anything non-sports-wise? Uh, Kimmel's going to have Anthony Mackie. Of course the guy that likes Jake Paul would also be a big XFL guy. Of course that would be the case. Uh, By the way, far more legitimate. Saw somewhere earlier this morning that Paxton Lynch, he got benched in oh, his yeah. XFL uh, debut. They said, they said he's the only player to be benched yeah. in the XFL, USL. N- yeah, NFL. Af- yeah, right. And the NFL. Uh, Chris Stefano and Anthony Mackey on Jimmy Kimmel. Uh, Anthony Davis will be the guest star on Impractical Jokers tonight. Great. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you get it. Um, no episode of Poker Face on Peacock. And then I think the big thing is Netflix. It's Outer Banks Season 3 oh, is out today. Oh, the kids do enjoy the Outer And Banks. the trailer was absolutely insane. They, they used, so they used the, the John B. Good uh, Beach Boys song because the main character Sloop is John, John B. Sloop John B., you mean? Yeah, no. Johnny B. Good is another song altogether. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that has nothing Barry, to right. do. Yes, yeah. that's, that's Sloop I mean. John B. However, anyway, because the, the main character's name is John B. In this trailer, I, I don't. I, I thought it was just like a high school, like romance, cheesy high school romance show, but the trailer made it look insane. They're like trying to find El Dorado. This okay, season. sure. That's OBX three. I wish them well. Anything else? Uh, no. Nah. All right, very good. Glenclarkradio.com. 
Thanks today to uh, every. Uh, thanks to our guests. Let me thank uh, Corporal Robbie Wright for stopping by. Of course, thanks to Evan Drellick, and also thanks to Jim Nagy. We'll get that up in the greatest hits section of the. Oh my God, it's so good. Tab at GlennClarkRadio.com. Stan will be in studio with us tomorrow, and stuff and things on the program. Griffin's running away, so we'll see. I don't know. I don't know how it's going to go. We'll figure that out. Thanks to everybody at PressBox, all of our great sponsors and partners, including the Baltimore County Police Department, Problem Gambling, Royal Farms, Costa Sin, Maryland Jockey Club, Great Eights Memorabilia, Maryland Vascular Specialist, Birdland Sports, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Thanks to Charles at CharlesAP28 on Twitter, or Instagram, sorry, on Instagram. Instagram is how you follow him. At Griffin underscore Bass for him, at Glenn Clark Radio for us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Have a great Thursday night. Go Towson Hoops. Duke sucks. Ohio State's. Oh, no, nope, nope, nope. Just Duke sucks. <laughs>